Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. In motion, Jermaine Burton goes to the far side of the formation. Here now the inner side, you know. Nuro keeps it. He'll go down the left side. He gets the perimeter and he takes it in for a touchdown. Kevin Wimsett gets the snap. He's going to take off. Now he fakes a run, throws a pass, and it is incomplete. Broken up, and it's intercepted by Ohio State's Hancock. Brings it up the left side to the 30. Gets all the way to the 50-yard line. Hancock to the Rutgers 40. Hancock to the 30. He's going to take it to the house. Jordan Hancock on a pick six. Takes a snap. Handoff, Dylan Johnson. And big hole in the middle. The 40, the 30. He's going all the way. Dylan Johnson, 20, 10. Dives for the pylon. Waiting for the signal. Two arms up. Touchdown, Dylan Johnson. To the right, plants, fires, wide open, Lawrence Arnold, he's got it in midfield, he's going to be gone, 35-30, 25-20, 15-10-5, touchdown Kansas, 80 yards to the house. A bunch set to the right, pistol look, Emmett Johnson the back, they turn, Heinrich keeps it himself off the left edge, he goes in, touchdown Nebraska, same play, Heinrich keeps it, scores. Uh, you know, obviously uh, very disappointed uh, in the result today. A lot of credit goes to Michigan State. Uh, they battled, they fought. Um, they're a team that uh, has lost these games this year in the fourth quarter, and they found a way to win it. That's uh, a credit to them. Good morning. Welcome in to Hurt Out Sports Radio here on a Monday. I'm Ravi Lula with Andrew Rogers. We've got Shane Schilberg with us as well, doing his producing thing over there. And is wearing what's a, he picking fruit, producing? Yeah, producing. No, that's uh, that's a little different. That's that's the farmers. That's why we had daylight savings time. Oh, right, right, right. So he's right. Uh, yeah. That's why Brock Purdy was on the field, like in the combine on yeah, the field. Exactly. It was harvest. You know, it's harvest season. Uh, it's bye week, so he had to get he had to get it done. Listen, you got to. He's like one of those guys in the fifties that had to work a side job when they were playing professional football. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, he doesn't get paid enough. No, well, he's actually like the lowest paid paid QB in the league. So, uh, <laughs> which is what. Uh, <laughs> I think it's eight hundred thousand somewhere in there. Yep. 
So not not bad. Still doing okay. I think yeah, I, I, I think he'll be all right. He's doing just fine. I think he'll be all right. Uh, we are live with you here on AM five ninety ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities, as well as Twitter and YouTube. You can stream us there if you'd like to see our bright and shining faces. Andrew with his Omaha hat. Love yeah, you got it. it. I've got a T-shirt with that logo on it. I love that logo. Yeah, this is the one from the same pop-up shop mm-hmm. at the College World Series that you got your Griffey hat from. Yeah, baseballism. Mm-hmm. Yep, terrific. Yeah, Please. the one that uh, you and Chafe were bonding over. The yeah. Other day. Oh yeah, I love baseballism. Uh, good stuff. That that we need. Let's get them sponsored. Come on. Baseballism. It's you. You heard. You it. guys are on the road right now. You can hear us. I know you're listening. To They're us. streaming. Let's get out here and uh, let's get out here and get some sponsors going. Uh, joining us on the show today, we've got our usual 8 a.m. on a Monday. Sam McEwen. There's obviously. I'm sure a, he has a lot, a lot to, to talk about <laughs> with the Nebraska football game. Uh, special guest this morning, Mike Sauter is going to join us at 8:45 for a couple reasons. Number one, is he considered a special guest? Well, it's special on a Monday. Right. Is it normal? I think it's special. <laughs> I'm excited to have him. Uh, we've got a couple topics we want to talk about with Sauter. Number one, uh, Nebraska basketball starts off tonight. They mm-hmm. college basketball in general tips off tonight, but Nebraska tips off tonight. Crazy I'll be tomorrow. there. Courtesy uh, of with Michael, arms wide open. With yeah, arms wide open, tickets. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go say hi to Andrew Rogers out there at. Uh, and go, go Lions. See, go to see his uh, his alma mater, Lindenwood. They are 21-point dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I'm surprised and, it's not more. And rightfully so. <laughs> Lindenwood up to no good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk Sauter about that. The other thing is uh, some news over the weekend that Sauter broke was the retirement of longtime Miller North football coach Fred Petito. Um, he... Had been at the school for 41 years. Well, he'd been at the school since it opened, so 43 years ago, 42, 43 years ago. Is that a long time? It is a very long time. He is the only – they had a head, different head coach for a year or two, and he has been the head coach since then. So basically the only head coach that school has ever mm-hmm. known uh, is Fred Petito for the last 41 years, uh, 279 wins, five state titles. Uh, one of the best. Is that good? It's that's pretty good. <laughs> one of the best to ever do it at uh, the high school level here in Nebraska. So we'll talk to Sauter about kind of Petito's legacy mm-hmm. as well as um, what he thinks is next for Miller North. That's I think I think a really good job. Um, they've obviously had a ton of history of success, and it's a place where they're very eager to succeed. So I don't think support will be an issue. Um, so I'm curious to see what the field of candidates is going to look like for that job because I think it's one of the better jobs to come open since Westside did a couple years ago uh, and Lamangi took over. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really interesting. Yeah, the see. high school coaching carousel is always yeah always sparks my my curiosity. Well, I I wonder like how similar it is to to a different coaching job at a different level or if it's as simple as oh well you're at the school right now so you'll work or oh you were a successful. DC or OC at a different school. Like, is that how that goes? I mean, I think at a, at a school like Miller North, I expect it to be mostly current head coaches applying for that job. Um, I don't think they're going to take a lot of chances. But like, do you jump from B to A? Like, I mean, is this sometimes how, is this how it yeah, works. <laughs> sometimes you, you'll you'll jump from like a B to an A. Sometimes you'll uh, move from like it. It there's just off the top of my head, a guy like Brandon Cool out at Carney. You know, if he wants to move to Omaha, like if he wants his family to be in Omaha as opposed to Kearney, if he wants to, you know, be in a situation where 
it's easier to succeed more consistently. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the type of guys that I look at for jobs like this is, okay, who are guys that are doing a really good job at a place that it's a little bit harder? Right. Right? So anywhere outside of the metro, it's a little bit harder to be successful because you have a smaller pool of kids to pull from. Would you freak out if it's Eric Crouch? I mean, I don't think he has any interest in coaching, uh, but we love EC. EC's great, you know. Um, but I don't think he's. I, I don't think he's ever coached at any any level, any like real level. He might have done like some youth stuff, but I'm sure people would be okay with it, though. I think they'd figure it out, um, you know. But there's, you know, you look at a guy like, um, and I. This is just me speculating off the top of my head. A guy like Larry Martin at Omaha North. Miller North is an easier job than Omaha North. It just is in terms of the uh, the pool of kids you can draw from. OPS has been really challenging jobs since COVID, and they shut down that season. Like, that's kind of set back some of their athletics a little bit. So anywhere outside of OPS is easier than OPS currently. And that's not a knock on OPS. That's just kind of the way things have fallen since they canceled that 2020 season. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's where it's – really interesting is you've got some really highly successful guys that you would maybe think hey they probably don't want to leave their current job but if you can win at that same level or even higher and it's just a little bit easier I mean that's hard to (laughs) that's hard to where does Miller North rank in terms of um like booster support I think it's pretty good. Um, I don't know as much. Uh, because I, that can sway. Oh, for sure. Anybody yeah. to yeah, go to absolutely. a program knowing that, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to have, whether it's the funds to get new, new like equipment. A lot of gear yeah. a lot of times, you know. So I, I believe it's pretty good because I know that they, in the past, uh, I don't want to speak too much about now just because I don't have as good of a feel for it. But I know, like, in the past they've helped fund, like, pretty serious weight room expansions and like Mm. new equipment and stuff like that so i think it's pretty solid at the very least i don't know in terms of compared to other schools sure um in my experience there hasn't been much that miller north has ever like wanted for that they couldn't get um so that that's probably good enough at the very least in terms of booster support (laughs) um I would guess it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like a West Side and a Prep, which are mm. are pretty good in those respects as well. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, and I'm excited to talk to Sauter about it at 8:45 to see who th- who he thinks some legitimate candidates could be uh, for that job. Uh, joining us at 9:30, one of our own as well, Jacob Padilla. That dude was just wire to wire covering high school volleyball. He was all over the place this weekend. This weekend. Uh, covered, I believe, I think I read this right on our social media. Uh, you can follow at Hurt at Sports on Twitter if you want to stay up to date on all of this stuff. Um, at Hurt at Sports on all of the social media platforms. But I believe he wrote something about every single match mm-hmm. that was played during the high school tournament. That's crazy. I, I think mean, he uh, tweeted out that he wrote 9,000 words. Yeah, something absurd. Just crazy. So we'll talk. But that's Jacob Padilla. Yeah, that's what sure. he does. Yeah, that's what he does. He is. Uh, he just grinds those things out, and his. And I uh, think he still made time to write for the Husker volleyball team. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk to Jacob about, uh, especially the the high school volleyball championships wrapping up. Scott with their ninth in a row. Yeah, I heard. I said that right. Nine. That's bonkers. And they were a little down this year. They were a three seed this year. Uh, they came. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
<laughs> they were a, a little down this year. <laughs> they were a little. They were. I mean, for them, that well, is a little kind of down. right. I mean, it's kind of what we discussed with with yeah, Sutter on yeah. Friday. Their schedule. They go out and play a different it, schedule. It, and, yeah. it makes them a three seed. Right, I mean, you it's don't true. have thirteen losses. But I mean, even they've been—you have the schedule that they—they've been doing that for facing. a little while, and they've still won more. Right. So for them, it was a little down, right? Like, it's—we're talking in relative terms here. <laughs> when you're winning nine state titles in a row, a little down yeah, is like—I don't know what down is. <laughs> I said a little, just a, just a <laughs> tiny bit. I think vibes are up. <laughs> well, I think they're up now. Yeah, after that, uh, hoisting those banners again, uh, and then we will wrap up with Nate Davis from USA Today to talk about the NFL, uh, kind of wrap up a weekend. Uh, a much more relaxing weekend for me because the 49ers didn't play. So it was a little bye week. Just, you know, sit back, mm-hmm. relax, enjoy yep, I got that. to watch the Bears stay competitive. You, you know, you and those Bears, man. You just you, you <laughs> stay <haven't>. competitive <laughs> is the key word. I still don't understand the Montez sweat deal. I, well, like, so, so he they, got paid. I was say they did right? resign him, which, but that was the one thing we were concerned the about. The follow up concern, though, is are they going to be a playoff team in four years? Yeah, does it change anything? Because I don't think it does. At best, you're probably looking at a team that makes it three years from now. At best, yeah, because you're, I mean, very because you're you need to get a, probably get a new quarterback next year. And if that's the case, is it Joe Burrow? Do you get there right away? I don't think this team is a right away Bengals team like no. what Joe Burrow got thrown into. No, I don't either. And I don't know that there is a. I mean, listen, I know people are obsessed with Caleb Williams. Joe Burrow is just kind of a different cat. Like I that. I, th- there's a reason I'm obsessed with that dude. Like he's when people say they're built different, like Joe Bill, Joe Burrow's actually built different. Well, Joe Burrow doesn't like have mentally, any emotion. That's what I mean. Like he's he's mentally built differently than just about anybody else in the league, and he's kind of got that Joe Cool Joe Montana thing, where like Joe Montana's pointing out John Candy at the Super Bowl as they're about to go like make a game-winning drive. Right? He just it doesn't even phase him what the situation is. You know, I think I think there's a story about this uh, middle school basketball coach. It's like, yeah, he's either going to be an elite athlete or a psychopath. <laughs> it's like those are the only two options for this guy. <laughs> and luckily, he became an elite athlete, mm-hmm. so we don't have to worry about it. But uh, we don't know the other one. Well, yet. for now, for now. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I don't see one of those guys in this class. Like, I don't look sure. at Caleb Williams and. So like, oh man, he's that he's that yeah, guy. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Yeah, like I don't know that there's any of those dudes that I look at and and put in that category. So elevating the Bears to a playoff is probably at least two more years away. So Best. you have so you have Sweat on a ninety-eight million dollar contract for, for four years for four years time, but two years of playoff time it, at Ma- best. Yeah, Mac. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird move. Things kind of. Well, we talked about this. The it shocks me. The the you know like the windows, right? Like you know, yeah, you're a big baseball fan, right? And so they try and line up their prospect mm-hmm. windows so everybody that they like kind of comes to the majors at the same time, so they have you know kind of your six year runway of of like contract control, right. right? So that you can try and build a winner. That this is a lot of teams do the same type of concept and the bears are like, nah, we're not going to be good for a minute, but let's spend a hundred million dollars on a D end that does it. Like he's a good D end, but he doesn't move the needle like that. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not one of the Bosa's. Well, I mean, sweats really he's good. good. He's really good. But to, how many wins does he get you a year? I see. I don't know his wins above replacement. That's what he, yeah. What's his, <laughs> what's his VORP? 
I was a big Vorp guy back in the day. Were you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, value I, value over replacement player. Yeah, oh, yeah, loved exactly. loved Vorp. <laughs> Give me a little Chase Young action instead. How about that? Yeah, I just well, you know, it's the it's the age difference as much as anything for mm-hmm. me, right? Like he makes more sense for the Bears and Sweat probably makes more sense for the Niners, but here we are. Um, we'll get to some NFL, some more NFL later though with our guy Nate Davis. Uh, I know you you had a busy weekend too. Really busy weekend. You were out uh, with Omaha hockey. Mm-hmm. Yep, we How started. Was that? We started on uh, Friday night and uh, closed things out on Saturday. I was actually a dual purpose. I, w- I was dual threat that night. Oh, you were pulling pulling double duty. I was. I, I had uh, Avery's job as she was out in East Lansing, so I was doing the interview with Coach at intermission. Okay, and then if the team won, I was uh, doing the the player of the game interview in venue. Which is funny because I bet people like don't realize that I that I can have uh, a different persona or personality, or I, I at least take that on when I do an interview versus when I'm the MC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I I do my hit at the beginning of the game and I'm really loud and lively. I'm like make some noise, <laughs> like that. And then like you hear me with coach and I'm like. Coach, pretty good first period there. Uh, got a goal right away off the start. Uh, how impressed were you with the team's performance there? It's like <laughs> people are probably like, "Wait a second, wait, who is this guy? He can he can turn down." There's like, a there, there wait, is there's a volume button. There is a volume button with Andrew. <laughs> Uh, and and it's the same thing with like the player of the game interview because I yeah. I kind of combined the two. I was interviewing Victor after so Victor Mancini scored the game winner, uh, his first career goal. Our guy Moose, mm-hmm. love him. It was an OT on Saturday, so they split with Western Michigan, which was great for this team, uh, especially after the performance on on Friday night. It just seemed like Western was so much faster, mm-hmm. um, and they they just moved the puck better, even though. Omaha got off to an early lead and was actually leading a majority of that game. Uh, Western just proved to be too much on Friday. But Saturday, when, when Moose scored that goal, you know, I pull him aside after the game. We're doing the interview in venue. And so I'm like, I'm like Moose, take me through that moment. It's been a long time coming, right? And he's, we're doing it. And then right at the very end of it, I'm like, and that's your player of the game, Victor Mancini. Make some noise! <laughs> so it's like I, I kind of merged the two together. And people are probably like, this guy, this freaking guy. <laughs> what, what, you Matt Rule? You freaking guys! <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it is kind of funny to see you like switch modes because we were out at the Pinnacle Bank Championship mm-hmm. in August and doing, doing our whole week of shows out there. And then I would see you on our socials like interviewing the golfers and it's like two totally different human beings because you go from you know like on air mc rogers to buttoned up to like <laughs> to like jim nance at augusta right. like how'd you feel there on 18 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was going through your mind as you putted for Man, the championship course conditions today weren't the best how did you fight through uh so omaha got the split against uh number 11 Yep, Western, Western Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, that's a quality split there for them. There, it really is. No, I, yeah, I mean that. Not, I'm uh, in all honesty, that's a even without the way Friday went. That's a quality split regardless because that's a really good mm-hmm. opponent there. Uh, three, two, and one on the season for uh, your Mavericks hockey team. We, you know, there is a uh, there's there's a lot to get to, <laughs> um, to say the least. It but all started on Friday. It did. Yeah, I mean, so we got high school football. We have uh, our semifinal set, uh, Class A football, 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 a lot football. of blowouts in Class A. Yeah, you a. know, 
I thought that I, Oak, I thought the Millard South Omaha North game was going to be way more interesting. Maybe defensively because of what Omaha yeah. North brought. And I thought but. I thought I thought with their line play on each side, like I, I thought that would be a much more competitive mm-hmm. matchup. But Millard South blew them out forty-five nothing. To be honest, though, I wasn't shocked that I saw blowouts. Yeah, I mean. I was, Especially in, in uh, the I, West Side I was, game. I wasn't shocked about that one because we saw how it went the first time. And it was worse this time. <laughs> right, and I saw Omaha North play the, the final game of the year yeah. and uh, only put up about seven points. But Elkhorn South's team was – I mean, they, they were missing Rauner. Yeah. Um, so if you have, like, a really good quarterback in, you can take advantage of that defense. Of Omaha North, yeah. So um, Millard South didn't shock me either. And, and frankly, this looks like – we're about to see two cars meet at the finish line, yeah. and it's going to be one, two. The collision course is in is in process. I think, yeah, I think we are on a collision course for West Side and Millard South again. Um, that game, I'm. I hope we have, uh, you know, assuming that's how it plays out. You know, um, West Side. That's will be a, how it will play. Out. I mean, West Side will be a big favorite over Millard West. Millard South will be a big favorite over Alcorn South. Although that game is interesting because I went to that game earlier this year, the Millard South, Elkhorn mm-hmm. South. I believe it was back in like week two. That's the first time Ronner got hurt, and that was a that was such a strange game because Millard sure. South had. I think three sort of fluky touchdowns, and it ended up being 33 nothing in that game. But it was 23 nothing at halftime, and they had two pick sixes and one of the strangest chunk plays that you, you'll ever see. There was uh, their running back kind of rolled over the top of a pile, mm-hmm. and nobody realized what was happening, and he was off to the races. So they're scoring in the first half. Like, 21 of their 23 points were very strange. And then Ronner's out, and all of a sudden, you know, it ends up being 33 nothing. But I'll be really interested to see what that looks like with Millard South and Elkhorn South because I think there's a chance. And listen, I think Millard South probably ends up winning that. But I think there's a chance with, you know, Ashton Murphy for Elkhorn South and their, their linemen that they can, they can get it into a fight up front and make it interesting. Now – Again, I thought the same thing about Omaha North when we saw what happened. Mm-hmm. But because of how fluky that first game was, I am, I'm really interested to see what it looks like uh, against Millard South on Friday. I just think it's inevitable that one and two will find their way I do to the too. state final game. I do, too. I just wanted, I would like to see something a little bit interesting on the way there. Um, but who, who, I don't think those teams do. <laughs> no, <laughs> those I know. teams are like, I know yeah, I'm good with like, winning like 49 nothing. Let's just keep this train rolling. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, so they've got we've got the semifinals on Friday, um, and then the following Tuesday. So you get an 11 day break between mm-hmm. semifinals and finals. But it does look like we are on a collision course for Westside Miller South rematch. That was a weird game. The first the first time it went out, the weather was brutal. Uh, the first like really cold Friday night that we had, but that was pretty competitive early on. Well, so it was like competitive in the middle. So West Side went up 17-0, Miller South came back to make it 17-14, and then West Side stretched it out at the end again. Um, so that'll be interesting to see because the wind in that one was such a huge factor. Because I mean, you were talking about like 20, 30 mile an hour gusts right into guys' faces. Every pass looked like a duck. It was from both sides. It was just it was it was rough. <laughs> And so, and there was a dramatic advantage going one way versus the other, obviously. So that'll be really interesting to see if the weather conditions are better uh, in the state final, which, you know, you hope they are, um, what that'll look like with 
the weather not being such a limiting factor. Um, but yeah, the Class A, the Class A looks like we're on a collision course. Class B, uh, we did have um, some more competitive games. You know, you had Bennington squeak by Norris, twenty three twenty. I said that game was going to be close. You did. You, that was a good call. I, I, I wasn't so sure, but man, that I was, actually thought it was going to be more high scoring than it ended up being. Yeah, but I, I thought the game was going to be was going to be very close and it ended up being that way but when I, we were talking to Sauter on Friday mm-hmm. he made me sound uh, like it made me sound crazy <laughs> to say that might be crazy pills here <laughs> um another super close one Scott uh snuck out a win against Blair 30-28 I think Scott was down big in that one too if I I was trying to follow along the scores I wasn't able to watch right. them all Simultaneously, unfortunately, there's no like high school playoff red zone. Yeah, that was a burner, though. Um, I think they were down pretty big. I'll have to I'll have to check with my people. Uh, to and by people, I mean solder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to see what that one was like, but I think Scott was down pretty big in that one. Uh, Elkhorn North and Waverly advance as well. So semifinal mm-hmm. set in Nebraska's well in all Nebraska's classes, but those are the two biggest there. And we will, uh, man, got another exciting week of high school playoffs as i mentioned earlier we just wrapped up the high school volleyball state championships we'll talk to jacob padilla about that a little bit later but coming up next need to jump into nebraska football a little bit because i think we do i've got some thoughts on how things went down that's all coming up next here on herd at sports radio when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Yeah, so we had uh, Billy and Ethan both up, right? You saw Ethan go out there at the end to catch it. Um, you know, Billy's just not quite 100% cleared, but he wanted to catch the ball. Um, you know, last week the ball kept rolling and uh, hitting. So, you know, they, they hit some bombs. Even all those that look, you know, well, I know it, it doesn't look great. Um, it uh, uh, Even the gunners were down kind of bearing on him. So, we, you know, he fair caught it. I think if he would have had, like, you know, you know, we went for the block a lot today. So the thought process was like, hey, let's go try to block it. Uh, we, you know, we think we have a chance. We thought we had a chance going in the game to be a good block team. Um, so we were trying to block him and then, and then put him back there for the stability of winning the, you know, winning the turnover battle. Welcome back to Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula with Andrew Rogers. We are brought to you by our friends at Dingman's Collision Center. Dingman's has four great area. Omaha area locations, 
family owned and operated for mm-hmm. over 25 Best years. Best of Omaha. For 18 years running. They have all the latest technologies to work on any make and model that you have. And they are giving back to the community with every car repaired. That's part of the reason we love them so much. Over at Dingman's. Make sure you check it out at dingmans.com for information not only on all their uh, services, but on their give back program as well. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to get into this Nebraska game a little bit. Obviously, Nebraska coming off a 2017 loss to Michigan State. Um, You know, I I think what we realize, one of the things we realize there, and and I think Coach Rule kind of mentioned it as well, is the defense doesn't have a lot of margin for error. Because I didn't think they played poorly, but they did play just slightly worse than they had been playing, especially in the secondary. And that's pretty much what cost Nebraska. Outside of the obvious turnovers for the offense, right? But I mean things that were different from the Mm three-game winning streak. Because the offense, and you mentioned, and we'll get into the play-calling pass attempts thing in a minute here, but... You know, you mentioned, like, yeah, the offense didn't really look that much different. And and you're not entirely wrong, right? Like, there's a lot of similarities in terms of the overall effectiveness of the offense, right? And the difference was the defense gave up a couple chunk plays in the passing game, and that was pretty much the game. You know, they gave up, I think, a couple 40-yarders and a, a, a 30-yarder, and that was that was enough in a game like this to make the difference. Um, as you kind of watch this and are, are processing it, did you did you see a reason why the defense was playing a little bit worse, or was it just kind of hey maybe they weren't totally locked in today? You know, I think they're I think Michigan State did a really good job of play calling mm-hmm. um, and mixing in some trick plays uh, because the trick plays that they mixed in seemed to work and throw off the defense a little bit. So I thought Michigan had uh, Michigan State rather had good control. Uh, when they were on offense, but you're right. I think we saw what the result will look like when the defense doesn't play at an elite level. Nebraska's offense, to me, didn't look any different, or any worse, rather, than they've looked all season, but there's a willingness to limit the negativity or or the outside noise when the team is winning. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, things begin to pop up more um, when the team doesn't. And with a W in that column. I mean, the mistakes you were once willing to look over Mm -hmm. or or give a slap on the wrist turned into, well, he's not a good passer. Right? When talking about Harburg, before it was like, well, the team's winning. We addressed that some of the balls don't look great, but the team's still winning. But when you lose, when the team loses, it becomes he's not – He's not a good passer, and that reaction is 100% warranted. Uh, Harburg looked extremely rough. Yeah. A lot of those balls, there, there were some overthrown. There was one that was completely off target that ended up in an INT. Now some may look at that and be like, oh, well, it was just like a punt. But dude was wide open. Alex yeah. Bullock was wide open. Yeah, and you can't miss that throw. One thing when you're throwing something into kind of a jump ball scenario, and you're like, eh, if my guy comes down with it, awesome. If their guy comes down with it, it's an arm punt, right? This was not that. This was, hey, I have Alex Bullock wide open on the outside. Streak to the corner of the end zone. Yeah, you need to throw that to the outside shoulder, toward the sideline, toward that back pylon, and instead it ends up basically on the opposite hash directly to the the, the Michigan State guy. So, yeah, there's a arm punts are okay in some scenarios. That was not one of them. This season hasn't shown anything that would make us think anything different, though, that – 
Hoiberg no. is, is, is rough when it comes to passing the football. Um, even in a couple of games prior to when he led off with – Couple of interceptions in the first quarter. Yeah, in the first right, you couple overthrow drives. Fedoni. Yeah, and there you go. You you put your team, you put your defense with their back against the wall and hope that they'll play elite. Yeah. So that they stop or uh, uh, six points and, mm-hmm. and just hold them to three, or you know if if they block a field goal and there they go down the other way and you end up getting six points out of it. But you know that's just the world Nebraska's in right now. It, it's no longer Lucas Oil. It's no longer Indy. It's, it's get to six. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Yeah. It's just get to six. Is there a scenario where, hey, the sure. Big Ten championship is in the window? Like, yeah, it's way far now. But get, get, to, get bowl eligibility. All you need to First do right now is get to six. Yeah. And, look, this team isn't good enough right now to be anything more. And that's okay. That really is okay. They don't have to be. They're building for the future. Yeah, a bowl game is a huge win this year. Huge win. They're not win now. They're not Big Ten win now. No. Coming into the season, if they got to a bowl game, people would be over the moon. And I still will be. Uh, Frank, I'd still, I'll still be thrilled. So because they're building for the future, I mean, I think we can officially say that um, the starting quarterback job is now a mystery moving forward. Oh, without because a doubt. Yeah. It's unknown what direction Nebraska wants to go to get to that six win marks. I mean, I've, I've seen the question circling in weeks leading up to this. Is Harbor going to be the starting quarterback next season? Like, can you instantly slot him in? Uh, no. The unanimous answer now is no. Absolutely I don't not. Think, I don't think I would have been so quick to say no until this point. I was leaning no, yeah. but I wouldn't have said – because if Harburg wins out with this team, even though it didn't say the defense was elite the whole way and, and Nebraska made sure. it to the Big Ten championship game, it would be hard for me to say this guy wouldn't be the guy that I would, I would say, hey, is projected to be the starter next year. Not yeah. that Coach Rule isn't all about, hey, compete for the position. Yeah, he's not giving things away, but – but if you go, if you win, how many games? It would have been nine if yeah, they had won. Nine out. of nine of ten, or eight of nine, he would have won. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's what happened, it would be hard for me to say Harburg wouldn't be the guy. For sure. But in a moment like this, now I can finally sit back and say, here's what Nebraska needs to do. Nebraska needs to line up Sims and Harburg and practice again, mm-hmm. and here they go. Yeah. I mean, give Chubb his, and maybe his reps if too. you want. Yeah. Give, give him his reps because he's a great he's a great passer. And we've heard that. From what we've heard, yeah, yeah we don't and, really know. We, well, and we've heard, and I, I trust what I hear. I do too, right? yeah. So, but if this is me at this point, I, I think it's time to bring uh, Jeff Sims back, give him a chance again. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple things there with Harburg. And, and you're right, we overlooked some things. I, I, think, I think people were aware that he wasn't throwing the ball well, but I think it was more of a, hey, as long as they keep winning, I can live with it. So I don't know that it was ignoring his faults so much as, you know, you're kind of in a you're kind of tied to this guy for a while, right? And you say, hey, I, I can live with it with as long as the W's keep coming. But I, I've had a really hard time trying to figure out if he was actually worse passing on Saturday, or if because of the number of pass attempts, it just was more obvious to us because of how it kind of. Show, it kind of showed a magnifying glass on his flaws passing, right? Because there were, if my math here is correct, he had 28 pass attempts, but he got sacked seven times. So that's 35 called passes versus 34 called runs. First of all, that ratio should never be more pass than run for this Nebraska team. That's a hard no for me. Well, and you have to remember, though, Michigan State was the worst passing defense in the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't care. But the, follow, the, the caveat to that is, 
whenever they played the worst run defense in the Big Ten, which was Northwestern, they still threw the ball a ton. Yeah, they still threw it more than they did uh, against some other opponents. So, to me, I don't care if it's the worst pass defense in the Big Ten. You're the one of the worst pass offenses in the Big Ten. You have to be, I say this all the time, you have to be competent at something in order to take advantage of someone else's weakness in that area. Nebraska's not really competent as a passing team. So it's, you can't take advantage. Like, they don't really have the weapons to be a passing Well, team. that's what I mean. Yeah, it's not just any one individual guy's fault. You're missing your top four wide receivers. You're missing three offensive linemen. You are on a backup quarterback. Whether the starter is better or not, I don't, we don't really know at this point. But you are on a backup quarterback. You, are, like, you don't have the, the tools, like you said, to be competent in the passing game. And so... To go out there and be like, oh, we can take advantage of this worst pass defense in the Big Ten, to me, was a mistake. I, I've been consistent. That number of throws that I want from Harburg is 12 to 15, and he topped that each half. Yeah, you know, just at this rate, you'll, you'll get a quarterback competition this week. I think you More should. More than likely, Harburg will be the starter come Saturday, but if mistakes happen like they did... There has Look, to be I've a, seen Matt Rule pull the trigger before, and he's not afraid to do it again. There has to be a self-awareness of on the coaching staff to say, like, hey, maybe Sims isn't better, maybe Purdy's not better, but we can't keep throwing this guy out there to look like he has. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk more of that uh, Nebraska quarterback spot here on Herd Sports Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Harburg is going to pull it down and go. And the young man can run. Nice. Oh, they just let him go. He's inside the five and down to the three. 43-yard run for Harburg. Wrapping up hour number one here on Hurt at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me as well. And we are we're chatting a little bit about Nebraska football, as you can imagine. That we are. Surprise, surprise. He definitely is fast. Like on that play-by-play cut, he, I mean, he started the run, and next thing you know, it was done. You know, it's weird, though, because he is fast once he gets going, but there were a bunch of those sacks where, I don't know if it was indecision, but it seemed like he had a really hard time like getting the wheels moving. So I don't know if it was just his kind of acceleration wasn't there or if he was trying to decide what to do. But there were some times like he genuinely looked very almost immobile in the backfield. Yeah, when he gets into the open field, he can fly. Yeah, he's, his top end speed is very good, but I do think it takes a while, him a while to get there. But also, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt as well. When you're maneuvering tacklers, you're trying sure. to figure out where the hole is. I think that's where that you I, know indecision comes in that you're referring to. And I don't think he's the most elusive like laterally. Um, so it's probably not his his strong. Well, we've seen that. His strong we've seen skill set that there. his lateral movement isn't top tier. You know, I was trying to be uh, <laughs> I was trying to be gracious there a little <laughs> bit because I I wasn't super gracious on Saturday, but that's okay. Were you gracious toward the officiating? Uh, no, I wasn't, and uh, we can get into that because and listen, 
Nebraska probably did not play good enough to win that football game. I want to say that first and foremost before we start talking about officiating. But that doesn't mean that the officiating was good, and it doesn't mean that the officiating might not have cost them because there were several calls. First and foremost, let's talk about the touchdown (laughs) where the entire ball was touching the ground. Where it was moving. And his hand, one of his hands was between his body and the football, not between the football and the ground. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, has always been not even close to a catch. He had one hand on the end of a football. If you're watching on, on the YouTube or Twitter, you can, you can kind of see me mimicking it here. But his one hand was here. The other hand was on the end of the football. And if this is the and ground, it was nose down. if this was the ground, this entire portion of the football was on the ground, mm-hmm. which in the history of football has never been a catch. And not only was it a catch, they reviewed it, and they're like, yep, still a catch. Well, and what's worse is you have Dean Blandino on the call like, getting yeah, brought that's in. That's not a catch. Saying that it's an incomplete pass. And then when the review says call stands, you go back out there, and Blandino's like, well, every replay official, like, it's subjective. Like, and wait. How is this subjective? Yeah, no, like, the, the entire the, football was on I the I thought ground. it was letter of the law. I thought that's why we went to replay. Yeah. Because everybody had a so-called rule book mm-hmm. in front of them where in black and white it tells you what's this and what's that. Yeah. And you're going to tell me that a replay official has, like, the the verdict or, or has the, the ability to give a verdict based on his own judgment versus the judgment of what of the rule book, the rule yeah. book tells you. And that like makes no sense. Targeting, that is a real thing, right? Because there is some discretion there because you can't always tell, okay, what, where was he aiming, what was he leading with, whatever, right? But they've been pretty strict on catches, and literally the entire bottom half of the football was on the ground. He did not have control of that ball because it was impossible where his hands were to have control of that ball. Um, So that was number one. That was the most egregious, I thought. The second most egregious was probably the face mask. Oh, see, I thought it was going to be the Coleman P.I. or the non-P.I. call. So that one was bad, but... Yeah, that, I mean, there was. A, I mean, there's a lot of them. The, the reason that one was so egregious to me, and it's not just that Nebraska would have gotten a 15-yard gain. You know, yeah. you're moving the ball down the field. It's the fact that a defensive player jumps into the offensive player. Yeah, he looked before like he was, the ball even got there. He looked as like he Coleman's was, making his route. Yeah, he looked like he was going to make the hit as if Coleman had already gone for the ball. If you put that in basketball terms, if Ravi does a pump fake mm-hmm. and I bite on the pump fake and I jump into Ravi mm-hmm. because I bit on the pump fake, that is what? A foul. That's a foul. The only question is, in that scenario, did I go up for another shot and I get the, the shots, or is it a possession foul? But it's definitely a foul. It's a foul. Definitely because a foul. I jumped into you. Yes. It's the same thing if I plow you over when you're waiting for a rebound and I come in and shove you yes. so that I can get to the ball first. That's yeah. exactly what happened yeah. in this moment. And, and there was no, there was no call. There was no, there was no nothing. Nothing. And it was definitely catchable because that ball bar- was barely past. Them. I mean, rule was irate and rightfully so. Absolutely. Rightfully so. That was, that was over the top. The one that was like, okay, like you know, you miss a face mask. Like I know you said it was right in front of the official. It was like, you right in front of the that. official, and it's head, it's the head turn for me mm-hmm. because listen, a lot of times you'll like graze a face mask, whatever. And that's exactly what the ref says. He goes, hey, he didn't grab it. But it's literally Harburg's head turned. So that one's really bad. 
The PI was the PI, really bad. The PI to me is just what's worse because Okay, forgive me because I'm thinking back to the Harburg play. Mm-hmm. Um, was he still holding on to the ball at the time? Did he get sacked on that play? I think he got sacked, yeah, okay, but he so, had the ball at the time. So then these are these kind of go hand in hand then. The reason I say that is because where are your eyes looking if you're an official? Like that back that back official's looking at the quarterback. He's making sure that there isn't a roughing the passer yep. call. He's making sure that it's you know, his their, entire job right. to make sure there's not a penalty against the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe he was looking downfield because he thought, you know, Harburg was going to do something and, you know, he looked too early, whatever. But on a ball that's thrown deep mm-hmm. into um, what we'll call it double coverage. Yeah. And uh, everybody's eyes are on those three players, everybody yeah. on the field. And that doesn't get called. That's why it's so egregious in my mind. We talk about all these penalties, though. Did Nebraska lose the game because officiating was poor? No. Was it a piece of it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Both of those things can be true at the same time. Like they, it, they absolutely yeah. can. But there were there was so much more that and, goes into the loss for Nebraska than the officiating. But they were hindered yeah. moving the well, football and because of officiating. We have to get into the last drive with the play clock as well. Be- and, and Because, first of all, they throw that ball to Malachi Coleman. That was a first down. Like, the, the, the pass to Coleman was a first down. Mm-hmm. I saw it on replay. Like, it was by, like, a solid yeah, yard. The, the yellow like, line is not perfect when you watch on TV. No, but, but if you look where the stakes are, it was an it was absolute a first, first down. down. By like, I think about a yard. Like, it was not particularly close. They mark it back two yards. You lose and the clock, 19 seconds least, or whatever. Yeah, the clock keeps running, right? So that's number one, huge problem. Number two, you've got the fumble from Harburg where I don't know if it was a fumble or not. I think it probably was, but you at least have to review that. You have to review a turnover or a potential turnover in the last two minutes of a game. Like, in, in, You have to review that. Again, Dean Blandino gets on the call and says it's an incomplete pass. Yeah, Blandino thought it was an incomplete pass. I thought it was pretty close. I, I, don't, I really don't know. I thought it was a coin flip at, like, at best. But to be that close and to not even look at it, to just assume, like, isn't that – the reason we have replay to make sure we get it right Uh, well 100 that dean blandino and i'm going to read his quote Mm -hmm. because i have it right in front of us it's an incomplete pass by rule the hand coming forward with control Mm -hmm. starts the forward pass motion and that's a big play and replay has to come in and stop the game because you make it incomplete you put time back on the clock Mm -hmm. it's a big play he says it again they should have stopped it yeah and so you've got not only the fumble, which cost them basically the rest of the game because they have to run, get the, get the playoff with like a second left, and they barely even get the snap off. So that's a huge one. The, the, Coleman, in, uh, the Coleman first down, non-first down is a huge one. The, the clock operator and the, and the officiating in that last drive. And listen, we've seen Nebraska's offense. Were they going to go down and score? Probably not. But you do have a kicker with a huge leg. You don't have to get all the way to the end zone. It's not crazy to think they could have gotten to like... You could get to midfield and Rule would have tried it. Just give it a shot. Rule would have tried a a field goal from way past 60. at least you get a Hail Mary attempt. 
right? Like at the very least. What would you feel more comfortable with? A kick from Alvano that – so say they're exactly at midfield, so he's kicking from 67 yards away. I'll go or would her. you rather have Harburg throwing a Hail Mary? I'd go Hail Mary at, at, at midfield. No way. Yeah, if you give me to the 45 and give me a 62-yard attempt, yeah. No, you're kicking it with Alvano. Not at 67. To tie the game. No. Not, oh, yeah, you not from 67. We've seen him in warm-ups kick it from 70, 75, and most kickers with big legs can. I don't care if he misses by a mile. You put the pressure on that kid to tie the game because you know for a fact that kick would probably have a better chance of working out than the Hail Mary. I'm not taking For a fact. I'm not taking the 67-yarder. The I'll go give me 62 and you know below. How, I'm in. You know how exciting that would be to watch a 67-yard field goal to tie the game? You would much it, rather see that no. than the Hail Mary because you would be more ecstatic no. for that ball to go through the uprights <laughs> than you would watching Harburg's pass either sail or go short. No, I'm not taking a I'm not taking a 67 yarder from just about anybody not named Justin Tucker. Like I'm just not. He is it. Justin Tucker. He's the next JT. <laughs> I know you've said that, but that 55 yarder that he kicked didn't look like it had 12 more on it. <laughs> He's got about 12 more legs than we do. He can kick it from 67. <laughs> I mean, I'll wait and see there until we get, until we get past. I mean, listen, I, w- I wanted to see it. I'd have taken I wanted a, to see it. I'd have taken a shot from 60 for sure. But you, I mean, so that's only what the 43. You're telling me they couldn't have got to the 43 with an extra 30 or 40 seconds that were robbed of them on those. Plays? Oh, I'm sure. Well, they wouldn't have been so pressed for time. That's at that what point. I mean. Like, yeah, the, you the pressure was on. It. You could have done a bunch of different things to try and and get that done. And and that to me is again, would Nebraska have won the game? I don't know. Probably not. Still, would they have at least been given an opportunity? by the correct rulings on the field, yes. And that's all I'm really asking mm-hmm. for. I'm not saying it changes the outcome. I'm saying it changes the opportunity. And that's all I'm, I'm interested in. <laughs> Those were, I mean, there were some truly terrible calls in that game. Nebraska might have still lost. But it's, it sucks that we have to have the conversation. It's still the touchdown bothers me the most. Well, uh, that, that made it a 10-point game. Yeah, I, I just also, the football's on the ground. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how you make that call with replay with the football on the ground. I just don't know how you do it. Uh, coming up next, we've got Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. I'm sure he's got thoughts on the Nebraska game as well. Coming up next on Herd Sports Radio. You're listening to Herd at Sports Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw it where you want to go. You know, that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Yeah, I just never felt quite as... To the level of the way we've been playing in terms of you know the physicality and coming downhill and striking and tackling like we were gonna fall off us, but it was never I wouldn't say it was egregious. It just you know at the end of the day like we expect our defense to go out and play to a standard. Kind of like I said to you guys last week, right? You know that you know the standard wasn't quite what we thought last week. Um, but uh, you know again we can't give up big plays. It doesn't matter how good you are on defense, sacks, takeaways. If you, if you don't take the ball away and you give up big plays, it's, it's you're not it's not a recipe for winning. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are now joined by our friend Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? We are doing okay. Uh, let's just jump right into it here. Um, after Saturday's performance, 
What do you think is the most likely path forward at the quarterback spot just through the end of the year? I'm not talking about next year yet, just for these last three games. Do you think this is still Heinrich Harburg's job, or do you think it starts to get opened up to competition? Well, you know, if you open it up to competition, then you have to determine, you know, if Justin wants to play. Uh, he's got his four games now, right? So he's never redshirted. Uh, in theory, he could graduate and go somewhere else and, and have two years. Um, I think Stimson would probably play if that's what you wanted. Uh, and then, of course, you have Chubba Purdy. And maybe maybe you give Chubba, maybe you give the Chubba Mobile a spin and you just see what he can do, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Um, we've seen him play. You know, we saw him for for two and a half games last year, and I don't know that that set the world on fire. Uh, it didn't actually. It wasn't very good. Um, and I, what I've seen from Harburg is better, to be very honest with you. But but Chubba didn't have the same defense that Nebraska does have now. He did have Trey Palmer. Uh, so, you know, if you if you want to play him, you have to assess how well he can run the option. They obviously want that to be a part of things. And can he, uh, you know, can he do a little bit more in the pass game? I, again, they're going to have to, they're going to have to chew on that themselves. There are things about Heinrich Harburg's game that, that I, that I like. I've, I've said that, I think, several weeks in a row. So, um, I think, I think he's just going through the education of being a quarterback. He's working through some of the things that he's, that he's trying to get better at. Uh, they almost won the game anyway, and they had one of the worst passing games I think they've had since they joined the Big Ten. I mean, it was it was bad, uh, but you know, there's there's things that uh, that I think he understands about his play, and I think he's trying to get better. And they just don't have a ton of pieces. You know, the receivers are young, mm-hmm. the line is is beat up. Uh, you know, if you again, if you can go away from Harper. But nothing that Jeff Sims showed in the two in the two games he played was encouraging. I just I just didn't like the picture when he was out there, uh, including passing the ball. I thought he threw the ball too low a lot, whatever. Uh, but there's probably things he can do uh, that Har- Harbor can't do. And then if Chuba goes in there, you have to expect Chuba to have a ramp. And by that I mean he's going to go out there, and you just don't know what's going to happen. You you can't you can't assume he's going to go out there and and go 15 for 17 for 205 yards like Josh Dobbs. I mean, it's not going to happen. So you have to you have to expect if Purdy plays that he's going to make mistakes too. Um, every decision that you make at that position cannot be a one-drive decision. Otherwise, you'll send the message to the rest of your team of, we don't really know what we're doing. Um, so they have to think about how they want to manage that position um, in, over the next three weeks. I would think it would still be Harper. Maybe Matt Rule will tell us something different today. Sam, uh, on Harburg's performance this last week especially, how much of that do you put on him where he obviously struggled in certain areas? How much of it do you put on kind of the play calling that asked him to drop back 35 times, which resulted in 28 pass attempts, the most Nebraska's had this year? I don't put a ton of it on the play calling. Um, I think that this was a team that you had to go throw the ball against because they're going to run some man coverage, and if you if you get out uh, of uh, of the man coverage, then you could scramble. You know, so there's some things there, and you're going to have to try to beat them over the top. Uh, and I don't I don't think the play calling was bad. I 
I'd probably put away the two quick screens. That play, which we had not seen all year, uh, didn't work. And they must have thought, they, I think they thought they saw something that said, if we run tempo and we get up to the line of scrimmage and we throw that quick screen out to Bullock, he's going to have seven or eight yards, and then that's going to adjust that safety, and then we can run the ball. Like, there was a reason they did that, mm-hmm. and the play didn't work. Now you can say that it was a bad play call, or you can say it was a bad idea, but obviously they did it with some intention. They did it twice, and then they put it away. The other ones, I you know, I I don't have a problem with with a lot of the throws they're trying to make. Um, a couple of them, Harburg needed to just let it go. Another one, Bullock dropped. Uh, they tried the bootleg, the you know, the reverse out bootleg pass. It's a, kind of a single person safe route, comeback route. They didn't. They missed it for a third week in a row. Um, you know, it was covered fairly well. That happens sometimes. That's a pretty common play. You know, then late in the game, you're trying to get back into it. You got to throw the football. So, and I thought, you know, they they broke some big plays. Actually, they hit Malachi for thirty, and Harvick scrambled for forty three. And so, you know, I that's the way it goes late in the game. Um, I didn't have that much of a problem with the play calling. I'm sure some people did. Uh, you can argue that they should have run the ball more, but they didn't control the game. They they weren't really in control of the football game, so just running the ball to run the ball can be hard. Um, you uh, And the other thing I'll say, Robbie, that virtually nobody mentioned, I think my game story mentioned it, but the difference in the punting was, was mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. I mean, Buscini did not have a good day, and Nebraska's strategy of putting a guy back there who could not return punts to fair catch punts was, you know, did not work. (laughs) No. 14-yard difference. 14-yard difference, and that is a lot of yardage. That Mm -hmm. is, that's not easy. Fair caught, I mean, and and Kemp fair caught a pawn at the five. Mm -hmm. And another one inside the ten. shouldn't have been there. Yeah. So, like, you know, that was another 15 yards that they lost. It, you know, they really, really struggle uh, with that part of the game and they're just going to have to work on it i i'm uh, they put ethan nation back at the end and i thought that was a good move i mean you know uh that's a position that a freshman can can handle if they can field the punt mm-hmm. strategy backfired and so there were a lot of things on saturday that didn't go well and rule was right about the defense like the defense did not come out mm-hmm. in its usual um edgy way uh they got two coverage busts on the first drive and they were covered mm-hmm and, you know, that led to a field goal. It just never felt right, and he was right about that. You know, Michigan State played a little harder and a little better, a little more under control, and Nebraska, you know, was, was uh, couldn't catch up. So I, I'm guess, I thought it was a three-phase loss when I, when I watched it, but, but other people focused very on Harburg, and that's fine, but, but he was hardly the only issue on Saturday. Sam, you mentioned not having a uh, a big problem with the play calling. What about um, with officiating? Because that was pretty sus at, at a number of moments in that game. Were you disappointed with how that played into it? Well, I think they missed the face mask. They didn't mean to miss the face mask, but they missed it. And the play at the end of the game, now, here's what I would say. That's a weird deal at the end of the game where it would have been better if Michigan State had recovered the fumble or the clock had run out. But it was very hard for Nebraska to make an appeal in that moment as the clock's running and they have to run a play. Mm-hmm. And it would take it would take a super 
savvy moment to say, we're going to let the puck run out and, and, and challenge that fumble. Like, that's, that's hard. What I will say is, it wasn't a complete pass. One. Two. It would be a fumble for many quarterbacks. And here's why. Most quarterbacks would start their motion where Harburg had the ball when he lost it. Harburg brings the, the motion and starts it low, mm-hmm. and by the time the ball gets knocked out, his arm is going forward, but it is under his ear, his, his hand is. Mm. So a lot of quarterbacks will start there, and then they will go back, and then they will go forward. Harburg doesn't start there. He starts way back, almost back behind his shoulder pad. So his arm's going forward. That's an incomplete pass. But I can understand why referees would, would think empty hand because that's where a lot of empty hands would be. You'd have to figure it out in review, and there was no time for a review because they already ran another play before anybody could look at the review. And so, you know, that, that's, that's the hard part about that moment is you have, to, you have to be watching the motion, not where the ball is. And Nebraska would have benefited from a recovery by Michigan State, which would have stopped the clock and would have, would have triggered a, a review on a, on a turnover or clock running out, which is what happened to Texas all those years ago, and they were able to review it, as opposed to running another play, you know. So that was a tough deal. Uh, I know there was something about pass interference and, you know, know, whatever. I mean, that happens all the time. Um, Michigan State got whistled on a hold on an interception that was ticky. I mean, it wasn't ticky-tack, but, you know, it was kind of beside the point. Um, So plays go both ways. That that happens. What did you think about the touchdown? The touchdown that that got called a, a catch even though the ball was on the ground? Yeah, I would have review, I would have probably overturned that review. Um, I'm not exactly sure what what they saw. Um, we asked, and we were told that you know the Big Ten doesn't comment on judgment calls. So um, we asked after the fact because we don't know who the pool reporter was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the Big Ten directly, uh, and they said they don't comment on that stuff. And so, you know, I, I don't know what they saw. Hard for me to. It's hard for me to speak to it. So Six. That that's hard. That was a reviewed play, and you know it, it did look like the ball was moving a little bit, but they they called it a touchdown. Sam, how about this? Uh, in a game where you know things definitely didn't go uh, Nebraska's way, or they didn't play their best football, what's one positive that comes out of a loss like this in your mind? Whether that's something you picked up on that hasn't been there all season, or something that improves what Nebraska is trying to build in the future? I thought Malachi Coleman played well. I thought he blocked well. Um, I think he's a physical blocker, and I thought they finally started throwing him the ball. He had six targets. He only caught two passes, but I thought Malachi Coleman, that was his best game, you know, and, and he got, I don't, he's a good blocker. You know, he did a nice job there at times, but you, I don't know how you're going to see what he can do unless you throw him the ball. Mm. And Harvard's got to throw him the ball, and, and, and they've got to create opportunities for him to get the ball. I've been a little surprised up until Saturday, like, what he's doing out there. Like, throw him the ball. Like, if, if you're just having him out there to be a decoy or to block or whatever, there's a lot of guys who can do that. Um, you know, Malachi's not the most polished receiver, but he might be the most physically gifted receiver on the team, and you're not going to know what he could do until you throw him the ball. And so I thought 
they did a better job of trying to get him the ball downfield. And and I think, you know, the one he caught, if he breaks that leg that leg tackle, he's gone. You know, there's mm-hmm. nobody gonna catch him. So you, you have to do those things though. And and I know they you know uh, they tried more, and I think that's good. You have to you have to learn how to begin to do that. Um, one back to the pass game a little bit, and I, I didn't write this in the rewind today because I'm not a coach or whatever. So I do feel like a lot of Nebraska's pass plays are designed to accomplish something specific to a specific receiver, and so like he has defined reads, and it's like we're going to play action here, we're going to roll out here, we're going to throw this comeback here. You're going to look at this, you're going to look at this, and you're going to look at this. I think that there's some value in just drop back, look for the guy that you know might be open, and throw him the ball. And I think there were a couple moments like that late in the second half that were actually good for Harper. He needs to learn how to just four wides, you got four routes, here's your first read, your second read, your third read, but you might have to progress through the read. We're not going to, have, we're not going to cut the field in half for you. We're going we're gonna to make you stand in the pocket and do something. We're going to make the guys protect And over time, you're going to get better and better and better at that. And I, so I thought that was good. You know, and I, I thought a couple times, you know, he made the right read and, and threw, threw a pass uh, that he should have. And so those are things that, you know, you just have to continue to build on. Um, we can get very trapped within the concept of, like, the season. And they're 5-4. and four. They need to win one more game. They might do that Saturday, and they're in a bowl. And everything from that point forward is like a ladle of your favorite gravy, whatever that is. <laughs> and that, seriously, like everything. Nobody expected anything more than that. So everything else is about the big picture from there and like how you get better for next year. And they won't look at it that way. Obviously, they want to go up to Wisconsin and win. Obviously, they want to beat Iowa. All those things are true. But at some point, you have to say, all right, we got done what we wanted to get done. Now we need to see what we can do. We need to be a program. We need to find out who we can be. Uh, And can we live into the identity we want? And part of the identity they want to live into is they want to be able to throw the ball 25 or 30 times a game, like most teams do, Mm -hmm. and have that go well. And you can't do that until you, you try it and you fail. And so I think that's a positive, too, even though it didn't go well. But fans don't see it that way. Fans see it as, it didn't work, don't do it again, do this thing over here. Well, Nebraska certainly could, could have run the ball 57 times for 204 yards. I don't know that they win the game doing that. You know, and, and, and let, we need to be honest, this option thing is not going to be a permanent part of the plan, or it shouldn't be. I mean, it's it it when teams figure out how to stop it, it doesn't look very good, and it they really struggled with the option on Saturday, and I they might do better against Maryland, but you know Wisconsin and Iowa will swallow that stuff up. Sam, you mentioned the last three games and just needing to get to that sixth win. Uh, w- do you think Maryland is the best opportunity for that one coming up on Saturday, or you know obviously Iowa's had their own struggles offensively, and that one. You know, it's probably going to be a one-possession rock fight one way or another. Um, but as you kind of look at these last three games, how do you how do you gauge Nebraska's chances of getting that sixth win over the, the course of those games? I do think Maryland is the best of the three. Um, Maryland has historically gotten off to awful starts this year. They fell behind 14-0 against Virginia. 
They fell behind 14 nothing against Charlotte. Um, they lost 51-15 to Penn State. They fell behind, I don't know, 14 nothing there pretty quickly. They're beat up. You know, Penn State's a really physical team. Probably more physical than even Ohio State this year anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come in really knocked around, uh, their defense especially. So, um, And they're terrible in November. Maryland is one of the worst uh, teams in college football in November in the last seven or eight years. I think they've won four or five games. And Nebraska's not much better, mind you. <laughs> but they've won more than that. And so um, that this, this weekend would be the game. It's You've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to, you know, to hit a few passes, and then you've got to find a way to to slow down a pretty good quarterback. You got to you got to slow him down. You got to slow uh, Takavailoa down, and uh, I'm sure they'll give it a good crack. Sam, uh, you know, Nebraska wasn't penalized Saturday for the first time in a game since '05. What does that say about uh, this group that had to battle adversity all day? Uh, I think it means that they're getting better at getting set. The motions and the shifts are working, and and they're uh, you know they're 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 playing clean football before the snap. That that that's what it says, and and that's good. That's good. You're not getting the little five yard penalties here and there, delays game or false starts or you know little things like that. Um, obviously, that's going to happen most games, but that's good. You know, you're not you're not having a bevy of those kind of mistakes, substitution errors, things like that. Uh, the other thing is, this will sound sort of counterintuitive. It, it wouldn't have been the worst thing to have a couple penalties of aggression. I felt like Nebraska's aggression just wasn't quite what it what it was previous weeks. So um, you're going to get some of those penalties sometimes. Good teams get penalties of aggression, whether it's holding on defense or a late hit, stuff like that. That happens, and. You know, Nebraska will will get those penalties. We'll incur those penalties again, I'm sure. So, um, but it's really encouraging for the pre-snap stuff, and and not you know having any procedural penalties because those are the ones that in theory you should never have, and the the ones that you can most easily prevent. And on for one day they prevent it all, which is good news. Sam, with the you you kind of mentioned the lack of aggressive penalties uh, you, we talked about earlier the defense not really having that edge to it the last time we saw that was against Michigan they bounced back against Illinois and looked significantly better for a stretch of a few games there how much different do you think it is going from hey the best opponent on your schedule to Illinois and recapturing some of that edge there versus going from Michigan State to probably a better team in Maryland. I mean, record-wise, certainly a better team in Maryland. How much different, or how much more challenging do you think it's going to be for the defense to recapture their edge as they head into a stretch against better teams as opposed to what happened with Michigan into the Illinois-Northwestern-Purdue uh, stretch? I, uh, I think it depends on how healthy they are. Um, I think the linebackers look to step slow, quarter, slow quarter, quarter step slow, secondary two. So, you know, I don't know exactly what that is, but but uh, they they just looked a little they just looked a half quarter step slow and I don't think that's because they weren't trying hard I think I think uh, they're beat up a little bit um you know now that Buford's back can he can he play safety uh, and Hartsock go back to corner opposite Newsom and Newsom got beat on the stutter and go but 
but a lot of the day, Tommy Hill struggled. I mean, he was mm-hmm. trailing a lot of plays. And um, I think on the double pass, that was his bust, but hard to say. Uh, I don't think on the first the first big pass of the game, that was Tommy's prop mistake. He, he let that go, and I feel like he let that go because the safety was supposed to be there once that play went over the middle. But I don't know. I, we can ask Will about that stuff today. Um, I don't know. You know, I thought the linebackers played a quarter step slower than they have, and I think some of that was because, you know, it, it, everybody's beat up. I mean, this is a grueling league physically, um, and it's it's grueling to play power five football every single week. It's just it's it's uh, it's a real it's a real test of your will and all those other things. You have, I think, three undefeated teams that are group of five teams, Tulane, James Madison, and uh, Liberty. If you put those teams in the Big Ten West, not only would they not be undefeated, but they'd probably be five and four or four and five. That's that's how different the physical test mm-hmm. is. And that's not to diminish group of five teams. But people may know that four teams just joined the Big 12, Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF. Do you know what their combined conference record is right now? No, off the top of my head, no. Five and nineteen. Mm. And two of those teams, two of those wins are someone beating Cincinnati, which has not won a game in the league. Hmm. That that's the difference between the group of five and the Big Twelve, right? Physicality and those things. I don't think the Big Ten West would be all that different. And and people you know, again, James Madison, great story, okay? Great story. They're doing what they're asked to do, and if they were in the Big Ten, they would recruit better players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But people do not understand the physical toll that, that like, playing Minnesota and Iowa and Nebraska and all that would take. And that's what that's what people, that's what that little snapshot in the Big 12 tells you, is that those teams were not equipped to go into the Big 12 and match up physically, how much harder would it be in the Big Ten? It would be a lot harder. So people have to have an appreciation for what Nebraska is experiencing and what it has experienced in previous years. Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, we appreciate it. As always, we will talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks, Sam. Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Coming up next, time for Shane's World. Oh, no. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Shane's World, Shane's World, party time, excellent. Okay, All right, excellent. Excellent. That's Woo! Okay. That sound can mean it's time for, can only mean one thing, it's time for Shane's World. Shane's World is, uh, we're going to have it brought to you by Warhorse Sportsbook oh. and Casino this time. That's my, that's my uh, type of world gambling right between two different well, beans. So we're, yeah, we are gambling. We're, we're, we're taking a 50-50 shot here with the beans. Uh, Maybe but 50-50 for you. This is, uh, this is a, uh, we don't have, I don't think, time for the sports cleanup today. So this is taking a spot of the sports cleanup because we've, uh, we've got a lot to get to mm-hmm. still. But. 
We need a little palate cleanser in the middle of the show here. <laughs> is this a palate cleanser? or <laughs> We might need a palate cleanser from our palate cleanser. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, but you are, we are brought to you by Warhorse Sportsbook. Uh, they are the best place in Nebraska to place your sports bets. You can do so at the casino in Lincoln or in Omaha at Horseman's Park at 6303 Q Street. That's right. You can place bets in Omaha at Horseman's Park now. Which is sweet. Huge, huge for the city of Omaha. We love to see it. We love our friends over at Warhorse Sportsbook. They can take bets on pretty much every major sporting event. They have all different kinds of bets, straight bets, parlays, props, live in-game bets are all accepted. Visit warhorsecasino.com slash sportsbook or get the Warhorse Casino app for details and full list of house rules. Remember, you have to go to either the casino in Lincoln or to Horseman's Park in Omaha to place your bets. Warhorse Sportsbook, no bets, no glory. And listen, our, our philosophy here is no beans, no glory on, on Shane's world. We got to get the jelly beans to get the glory. Oh, and we are, we, are, we are taking some bets here on, on who gets the best spinning jelly the beans. We're spinning the wheel. We're spinning the wheel. Which I was spinning during the break, and I'm like, man, this lands on old bandage and pomegranate a lot. Or, <laughs> oh, wait, there's strawberry banana The pomegranate's tasty. The pomegranate's good. I got to tell you, man, the, we have yet to have a strawberry banana smoothie one. Yeah. We both gotten dead fish before. Yeah, which you were not as gag reflex heavy as I was when I had. I was expecting my... it to be worse based on your reaction. <sighs> I, I smelled your cup afterward last week. Yeah, and you gagged again. Yeah, <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> All right, so here's how the game works. Shane will get a prompt from Ravi and myself. We will bet on how many he can get right in 10 seconds. If Shane goes over the number that we claim party on to, the person who said party on has to eat a jelly bean spin the wheel. But if Shane doesn't get to that number, then the person who made the bet, say Shane was going to get five and Ravi told me to party on and Shane gets four, then I spin the wheel for a jelly bean. You have the timer set, 10 I've seconds, ready, Shane, five are you is, ready to go? Five is kind of high, let's do it. We're going to start with this one, Ravi, this prompt right here. Okay, how hold many on, can let me Shane, bring it up. How many can Shane get right in 10 seconds? All right, I, I, have, I have the information up. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead. Whenever you're ready, read the prompt. <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta guess how many. Like, oh yeah. Three. Like, uh, come on. Party on, Shane. I guess. <laughs> and you're not gonna get um, any. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say three. I'm gonna say party on. All right. Shane. I'm hoping he panics. <laughs> In ten seconds. This ain't no panic at the disco. Name less. Name as many college basketball teams in the preseason top twenty-five. Go. Kansas, North Carolina, Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State. We have three there, I believe. All right. Do so, we? <laughs> I think he got two. He got Kansas and he got UNC. Maryland, Michigan, and Ohio State are not top 25 teams. I thought Michigan was in there. Yeah, so no. I. Uh, I thought I, I saw that yesterday. I stopped it early. No. Shoot. I stopped it early because I thought Michigan was in there. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> Shoot. Shane, you realize Creighton is top ten, right? I know. You got you can't hit me with a Creighton there, Shano. <laughs> oh, man, I really thought Michigan no. was in there. That's so no. All right. Ravi, right. spin the wheel. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let's go. Get something bad. Get something Get bad. Get something terrific. <laughs> we have 
Juicy pear or booger? Right, the green guy. Is the this, green this goblin. Right the green yeah, goblin. right there. All right, we got my spit cup ready. My friend. Just, whew, not even Catholic. It's okay. <laughs> Again, did the sign of the cross the wrong I way. I always do. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> Come on. Give him booger. I want to know how bad booger tastes. Juicy pear. This is ridiculous. <laughs> See? And you, and you were mad I didn't say Creighton. Mm, I love a juicy pear. It's delicious. What? You invented this game, man. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know how wild this is? <laughs> What's wild is I'm going to lose this next round. I'm going to get cappuccino and liver and onions. You're going to get liver and onions. All right, I'm going to get liver and onions. Let's yeah. do it. I'm ready. All right, you got a prompt or you want me to well, go, ahead. go to the next one here? All right, next one down the list. <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I think Shane can get – oh, man. Okay. Let me type this down because I need to know if we need to do this. I think it has to be the first one, yeah. The, just that one? Yeah. Okay. That, see, that changes the It game. does, dramatically. <laughs> dramatically. <laughs> um, I think Shane can get – Two. I think Shane can get – Three. Party on. Let's go, Shane. You have to tell him the problem. You ready to go? <laughs> Let's do it. Shane, in 10 seconds, I need you to name current, and that's the key word here, current race car drivers. Go. Wow. <laughs> do you love NASCAR? I don't really watch it, though. <laughs> and time. <laughs> wow. I don't live and breed NASCAR. I watch the Daytona 500. And they bring old guys back for that. Could you name three past race car drivers? Oh, yeah. Naturally. Uh-huh. Mark Martin, Jeff Gordon, yep, Jeff nope. Burton, Quite Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr. That was my favorite. Ryan Newman. That was my favorite one. Wow. Wow, good. I got Juicy Pear Booger. Ooh, let's and, go. and you know what I'm going to get? Booger. I'm eating all Guaranteed. the Juicy Pears. So I don't what know. is this one? I think this that's one? it. I think that's it, yeah. Unbelievable. Here we go, bud. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, that was incredible. It tastes like pear. I think you got juicy pear. I think it's a pear. Wow. All right. Look at that. Look at back that. Back-to-back pears. We love we love a juicy pear. I don't hate Shane as much anymore. Tony Radio. Stewart. I mean, I can Shane, go knock it off. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Prompt number three. <laughs> okay. Oh, jeez. Um, Mountain Dew flavors? No, not again. <laughs> yeah, Mountain Dew flavors. Uh, Shane, I believe you can name three. I think Shane can name four. Party on. So NASCAR drivers again? Come on, Shane. This is past NASCAR drivers. Um, all right, in 10 seconds, Shane... Name four. At least four. <laughs> I would go I, over. I'd prefer fewer. Go over. <laughs> Football teams in the NFC. Go. Philadelphia, Dallas, New York, Atlanta, New Orleans, San Keep Francisco. Going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, that's all I needed. Keep yeah, going. You're, you're at six. <laughs> yeah. You're Last time, though, when we asked for th- three I, yeah. and you named five and only got two, and only two that's why them. I need you to go over. <laughs> No, those were yeah, right. baby Shane. Well, those that was easy. Right. Well, oh, hold on. That didn't count. Got to give a good good flick there. 
Yeah, now you're going to get, like, berry blaster. Uh, no, we're on boogers or juicy pear again. Jeez. Man, booger. Uh, <laughs> boogers we due. Are, we are due for booger. Booger is due. There's not a lot of them left. It's, it's got to be that those right. two, yeah, right? these two, right? Yeah, that's about all we got left here. This feels like I'm dead. That one looks like booger for sure. Yeah, that's why I didn't pick that one. Oh, good. Um, that feels Minnes- like... Minnesota, Detroit. After, I mean, I, I, I was saying, you didn't even name Detroit. I thought Detroit <laughs> I thought was the sure one you were going to get. Um, <laughs> All right, party on. Let's go. All right, here we go. No, no way Booger can be that bad. I would say that Booger actually seems like one of the more mild ones compared to like Barf or, mm-hmm. or Dead oh, Fish. I know them both very oh, well. Although Dead Fish wasn't that bad. You, you, are, you were being soft. No, about you, Dead Fish. get out of here. You're, you're a dang animal. Mm, yeah, that's Booger. <laughs> is it bad? It's not good. <laughs> what does it taste like? It doesn't. I mean, I haven't had a booger since I was a child, <laughs> but compared to something, um, <laughs> it's it, on your beard. That's so gross. Yeah. It kind of tasted <laughs> like um, um, vegetables. Kind of tasted like uh, yeah, like like poorly cooked. Like boiled vegetables. <laughs> it almost tasted like onions. There's like a there's like a slight onion aftertaste to it there. Hey, I'm just happy I had one good one today. I mean, honestly, that, and I'm on top of the world right. Now. I thought that was worse than dead fish, but I didn't think either of them were that bad. No way. Not onions. It tasted worse like a than little dead fish. It's got a little like like a peppery taste to it, almost like a like a green pepper. It was weird. Is there one that has a green pepper? That might not have been booger. no. No, there is not. (laughs) Coming up next, we're going to talk to our guy, Mike Sauter. He's got high school football. He's got Nebraska basketball covered right here on Herd at Sports Radio. Wrapping up our number two here on Herd at Sports Radio. I want to tell you about our friends at Teammates Mentoring Program. One in three young people will grow up without a mentor. That's why in 1991, Dr. Tom and Nancy Osborne Uh, founded the Teammates Mentoring Program. It's their mission to positively impact the world by inspiring students to reach their full potential through mentoring. Mentors and mentees meet in school during the day for about 30 minutes, and they talk, they play games, they do whatever's going on, uh, and many mentors and mentees have have reported over 90% say they are uh, positively impacted by this program and mentors often get just as much out of it as the mentees do. Go to teammates.org to become a mentor today. Joining us now live and in person here is our guy Mike Sauter from Herd at Sports covers Hello, Shane. our teammate. Our teammate. Hello yeah. Shane. Covers Good morning, Mike. Shane's over there, too. Uh, He covers uh, all of our high school sports as well as Nebraska basketball. Sure. All all (laughs) fitted up today, going down to Nebraska ball. Yeah, fitted up today. You got a collared shirt on. Hanging out with with Lindenwood. I will not. Let's go, (laughs) L-U. So let's start. I wanted to – the reason we wanted you on, first and foremost, we will talk a little Nebraska basketball, but – the longest tenured coach in Class A history, is that correct? Yeah, by like by a zillion a, years. I'll say by a solid decade or more. <laughs> At least. Um, Fred Petito from Millard North, my alma mater, yeah. uh, retired. Uh, Mike, you broke the news yesterday. Yeah. You were kind of telling a funny story off air. How yeah. did that, how did breaking <laughs> that come to be? Well, I got, so I got, you know, the, the, the Met is a, a team yesterday he told the team at 11 a.m yesterday mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I got word of it, um, you know, quote sources. Um, and then I was like, Oh, sh-, you know, like that's a big deal. I may have yeah. cussed. And then it was, uh, I was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to have to call him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so I did. And then obviously I called, you know, administrators there and mm-hmm. stuff like just to double check. And I said to them, how do you want me to handle it? Like, do you want me to, you know, wait, or do you want me to, are you guys going to say what, like, what do you want me to do about it? And so, uh, Fred was like, do what you gotta do. <laughs> I said, okay. Um, do your thing. Yeah. And you know, we had a good talk and it, I told him how much I respected him yeah. for, yeah. you know, um, he didn't know who I was when I first started doing this. He'd been around forever. And, um, you know, I, I remember the first time ever like meeting him was after a game and it was, it's intimidating. I was like, he's not a big guy, but he is intimidating. Yeah. But he's actually not. Well, he seems intimidating. Yeah. Like you but just are a little like, okay. A very like oh. kind hearted. Yeah, yeah. No question. And so I, you know, I told him, how how much I respected him and mm-hmm. stuff. And I said, I know you're not dying. So like, I'll see you around. <laughs> but, but, um, it was, it was good. Like it was good. He was pretty matter of fact, right? No, no so, comment. Yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> I was initially, I was like, okay, I got to write a story quick and you know, like a quick breaking news story. And then I asked him, I said, okay, coach, you have a quote like that I can use. And he goes, I don't need a quote, no quote. And I'm like, <laughs> that's okay. what you should have wrote. And I'm like, that's go, that, that's Fred. Petito I was like, right that's there. the most Petito answer yeah. you possibly could yeah. have given. Yeah. What well, another thing too, I asked him or when he said that, I said, are your, I said, well, your quote, your record is your quote. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't even know what my record is. <laughs> And I was like, that's the new quote. Hold up. Which again is about the most <laughs> potato answer you possibly could. Yeah. Have so, you know, I'm working on something. I was hoping to get it done yesterday, but, um, or last night. I mean, I, I, once this happened, I was just on the phone all day and night, the rest of the day and night. So it was, um, talked to a lot of people. Um, story will come hopefully today, later today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, it'll be in the morning on just his legacy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I talked to, obviously, former players and all of that. And some of the stories are just phenomenal. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing really to do with football. Like, well, that's the most of it, right? Like, it's life, like, being there for his kids. Like, that's – I feel like that's a lot of uh, – well, at least with good coaches mm-hmm. or great coaches, that's the response that you get a lot of the time. Yeah, no is, question. No, he turned me into a man. It's right. not like what we produced on the field. It was what happened off the field that impacted my life the most. Right. Like, the the one um, – the one the, the quote that stands out to me the most is – I talked to Todd Doxson, and it's going to be in this story too, but um, – I can find uh, former Iowa State player. Yeah, former Iowa in the State. NFL. Yeah, former. You know, he played both like baseball and football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Todd said that Coach Petito was instrumental in like let him do both and all that. It's kind of hard to do, and mm-hmm. you know all of those things. So <clears throat> the quote is from Todd. It's my sophomore year in the gym at Millard North. Coach came up to me and said, "Todd, let me tell you something. You are going to play on Sunday someday." It was with such conviction and encouragement. I was 16, and he was speaking destiny into my life. 
like it's powerful yeah mm-hmm. so uh he did that probably with a ton of kids yeah and he's still you know it's um He'd still be around. And you don't do what he did for that long unless that's the part you care about. Right. Right? Like, you don't coach high school football for 40, over 40 years, right, without that being the thing you care about most. Because he had opportunities to go other places. Oh, yeah. He was was 41 years just at Miller North. As the head coach. At Miller North as the head coach. Because he was there. There were coaches before him. Yeah, uh, just one. One, yeah. And he was there for those. And he was at Cathedral. For two years. Yeah, for two years before that. Yeah. So... You know, I mean, his record just at Miller, five state titles, eight state final appearances. It's really hard to do. Like, 279 victories, 155 losses. 279 wins is a lot. Yeah. Like, so. And you you mentioned five state titles, all of them between 2013 and 2015. Yeah. 15 was the most recent one. Yes. It's not that long ago. No, it's not. Like, people think, like, oh, he's They've fallen off or whatever. No, 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 no. 15, 2015 is not that long ago. Yeah, they were dominant for a stretch of right. 12 years. And they made all eight of those state finals in that same stretch. Yeah, I believe so. So yeah. in a 12-year period, they appeared. From like 02. 02. 02 was, their, was the first one they won. 02 was the first one they appeared in. Right. Um, that was with McArdle. Yeah. They lost to Southeast. Yeah. And then they won their next one Three. the next year. Yeah. Uh, so between 02 and 15, in a 13-year period, they made Eight state finals. Yeah, that's, so, that's, that's bonkers. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. And he had maybe his two best players ever before that right. in Crouch and Dachson. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it is a – Tarpinian. Tarpinian was yeah. in that stretch. You could um, just keep – I mean, you know, Adam Shada. Yeah. A, yeah, Adam Shada. Shada yeah. Um, Who's now helping it. Wahoo. Seth Olson, uh, who played in the NFL as an offensive lineman for a while. Um, you had a ton of guys, and then you had just a bunch of guys. Sean Fisher is the guy that would stands Fisher. out to me because yeah. he was like he was stud. He was really good at Miller North safety and quarterback, uh, yeah. running back. He didn't play quarterback. Sean Fisher. I was bro- okay. Yeah, yeah. That's Bobby right. Fisher. Uh, no. <laughs> no, where is he? Definitely not. <laughs> um, end up playing linebacker at Nebraska. I think he's a doctor now. He's like went to yeah. medical school. Yep. Um, an incredible legacy, and not just you know. I, I think the most Im- maybe the most impressive part is not the guys that went to play divisional college right. football or in the NFL or whatever. It's everybody else. Yeah, the who backup had, linemen. Yeah, yeah, the guys that he had a huge impact on. Right. Um, you know, one of my good friends, uh, Jermaine Foster, who's right. been helping coach yep. out on mm-hmm. the staff the last couple of years, you know, like he was a, a solid receiver, but you're a receiver right. in Miller North. You're not doing a whole lot except <laughs> about yeah. blocking, right? And the impact that, like, I know Coach Benito had on his life. Right. On a guy that's like, he didn't play Division I football. He didn't right. do, you know, he Doesn't wasn't matter. Eric Crouch. He didn't do yeah. all these things, and he still – poured into those guys the same way that he poured into this is, uh, the stars. I got a coach. We move on after this, but I, I got a, a quote from a coach and I'll keep it an anonymous, but mm-hmm. a coach that's won state titles, mm-hmm. right? Like in the last recent years, multiple, mm-hmm. uh, we were striving to be like Millard North. We've won a lot, but we still are striving to be like his teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, that's the legacy there. Super well respected by everybody. Uh, yes. in the coaching community. Yeah, it's who you try to emulate. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, just look sure. at the quote tweets from your breaking news story. Yeah, and it's like a ton of coaches, yeah. a, obviously a ton of ex players. Yeah. Uh, but the the amount of coaches throughout the metro that either played for Coach Petito that 
coached with Coach Petito yeah. that were impacted and they directly impacted their careers and what they're doing now is astonishing. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, mm. Real quick, yep. and if you've got a minute, we might yep. keep you at 9 o'clock for just a little bit. Um, I know you have to, to get on the phone and, and talk to some people, but real quick uh, on the last thing on Petito here, where – what are who are some candidates, or where do you think Miller North goes? I think it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot. It's a good job, right? It's a really good job. Like it's a really it good job. A, okay, the school, high academic school, super high academic school. Uh, great facilities, great support, uh, great support. They really care about winning and and sports and academics. Tons of talent to draw from. Yeah, talent talents there. You can also. It's an open school. So open you enrollment. Can, you can bring guys open, in. Yeah, like. It's a pretty it's a really it's a good very job. Very intriguing job. I think I talked to a handful of coaches yesterday that are like Am very I crazy. Or are you going to have sitting head coaches? Absolutely, hundred percent. No question. Like no question. guys that are successful where no they're question. at right now. Yeah, no. I know. Yeah. I talked to multiple two or three yesterday. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be that are current head coaches that win. This is going to be a hot job. For sure. This is one of the better jobs in the Metro. No question. I mean, really. Yeah. Um, no question. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, Mike, stick with me for a second. Yep. I do want to talk about Nebraska basketball. They kick off their season tonight. We will do that. Um, your kid is – your. She's like, oh, I got to stay Your kiddo's being a trooper here. <laughs> we appreciate it. She does not seem to love the content as much as I hope our uh, our listeners do. But we will get to Nebraska basketball with Mike Sauter coming up next on Herd Out Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio. We are on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And for this hour number three, okay. we're on, we are on KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers here. Mike Sauter sticking with us for a little bit to preview Nebraska basketball. And Layton, my kid. And Layton. Layton. Layton's here. Just sticking it out. Being a champ, we appreciate it. Uh, she doesn't know that we're talking. She knows we're talking about her. She's ignoring. <laughs> she is. She's not even looking at you. Uh, we are. <laughs> She's playing with her loose tooth. If you want somebody to pay attention to you, though, call Dire Law. If you've got a personal injury accident, you need somebody you can count on. Call the Dire Law team to provide you with a helping hand. No matter what you're dealing with, call Dire Law four zero two three nine three seven five two nine or visit Dire Law. That's D Y E R dot Law. All right, let's uh, change gears here, Mike, with you – know, obviously we were talking about mm-hmm. Coach Petito, high school football mm-hmm. there. Um, we'll talk to you more about high school football at the end of the week in your normal segment. Uh, but I wanted to move on to Nebraska it's basketball. Friday. Got to get down on Friday? No, is that uh, the song? That is the that song. Is the song. With arms wide open. Oh, sure. Not as good oh, as that shame. song, obviously. No, but it's – <laughs> Anything is better than that. <laughs> Nebraska, your baby Jesus. <laughs> Nebraska k- kicks off their season tonight with Lindenwood. They might be dealing with some personal injuries as well over there at Nebraska. There's a lot going on over there. What? So let's let's start there. What? Who do you think is okay. actually going to be available? Tonight? That's very true. Well, they had six scholarship guys available last week against in their Doan. exhibition. Yeah, and then Casey got hurt. Mm-hmm. Or no? Okay, they finished with six. They finished with six. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kase Tominagi gets hurt seven twenty nine mark of the first half of the X. Who's counting? Not that. <laughs> yeah. Not that we remember. I, I did the math, <laughs> um, and I was like, when it happened, I was like, this can't be real. Like this is not. <laughs> what is going on here? So um, yeah, uh, 
I think they're going to get some people back. Matar is coming. Well, okay, not only do they have, like, knee injury, mm-hmm. um, Josiah Alec has knee injury, rink mass, you know. Has an got, injury. Yeah, has some stuff because of the um, – Off the court incident. Off, off the court incident that was unfortunate mm-hmm. that happened to him for sure. Um that's just the more I hear about that, by the way, it's wild. super bizarre. Yeah, super bizarre. Yep. So not his fault. Just cruising along, and there's somebody just beat him up. Um, so yeah, Rink. Like, is he available? Josiah, is he available? Don't know. Fred last week on uh, Wednesday or Thursday um, said they had four guys come down with strep throat. This is after <laughs> Matar Matar drop. Who, by the way, like. Need to see this dude play. He mm-hmm. is so athletic. Yeah. Like, skill-wise, he still has some work, but he is so long and so athletic. Fans mm-hmm. will love him if he, like, gets in the game and just for even for five minutes because he'll make, like, a couple <laughs> right. splash plays, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the post, you know, is a little questionable. Like, what? who's 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 replacing Derek Walker? Yeah. Well, like well that was supposed wise. to be rank. Right, but, right. Um, but who's actually available? Yeah, who's actually going to be able to play is is the one. Um, I do think. I mean, should they have a problem with Lindenwood tonight? Even if they all those guys are out, probably not. I mean, you is have Lindenwood covering. Rem- I don't. Know. <laughs> Come on, man. Minus twenty one. <laughs> uh, Ramel Lloyd is still dealing with his knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blaze Keita is still dealing with his ankle. They're gonna. He said they're. Moving him along, he did some on courty stuff. I mean, that's like a long ways away from him. Perkata. Yeah. yeah. Um, Juwan Gary is also not going to play again for the violation of team rules. So, yeah, might see some Kale Jacobson at the five again. All right. Let's we do did it. an exhibition game. Let's do so, it. And he uh, actually did, you know, pretty well. So. so as they get through, you know, kind of this first stretch I'm of the season. I'm kind of thinking who the starters are going to be in my mind. I thought about that last night, and I was like, I just wonder. There's a bunch. Of, Eli Rice is a guy that played well, how, really well. How far Freshman. off is uh, is is Tominaga? Oh, he might play. He, they, he might Fred's play. on Thursday he's seemed very optimistic. optimistic, not near as bad as they initially thought. Yeah. Um, he's been – Just know, limited minutes? Around. Yeah, moving around and stuff. We'll see if they, they might. I don't know this, but it sounds like he might give it a go or might hold okay. him out this game. So that'd be that'd be a plus, obviously. Yeah, it's I mean, not not as bad. It's not like broken ankle or anything. Okay, mm-hmm. just just roll his ankle. Well, I mean, then, it was pretty bad. I mean, right. his ankle was on the floor. Yeah, so, you don't like, love to see that. It wasn't great. Now we were talking to John Fanta last week, and he made a bold prediction Hot right take. before he got off the air, mm-hmm. and said Nebraska will be marching. Whoa. This year, do you think in the NIT? <laughs> well, I was going to say, said, do you believe in the truth he said, of March Madness? He said, an, okay, NCAA. If tournament. you look at their non-conference, right? Pretty, look pretty at their manageable, non- very manageable. Yeah. They travel like a total of seven hundred miles <laughs> in the yes. non-conference. Yeah. Like it's a lot of home games. One of them's in Sioux Falls. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. They're two. They're two. Uh, their their road game is at K State. That's right down the road. Right. Yep. Um, and then Oregon State. Which is State. funny how close Manhattan actually is to here. Right. Yeah. And then K State or Oregon State is what is that Saturday? Next, uh, next Oregon Saturday. State 18. is. I'll yeah, be there. The whatever day that it's is. a week from Saturday. Yeah. Um, 
So very manageable. Yeah, Sioux mm-hmm. Falls. Right. Yeah. Um, just the game itself. So yes. If yeah. you look at it, I, I kind of did the math, you know, not guarantee anything, but you're looking at like nine-ish wins, right? In the non-con. Yeah. yeah. Creighton is the one, you know, they get Creighton at home. Yep, which helps. But that game's always close no matter what. Well, most of the time. Yeah, yeah, there was a stretch in there where it wasn't. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, the last couple of years, handful of years, it's been that Creighton game's been really close. Yeah, com- very competitive. Yeah. Um, so, and in Lincoln, it's mm-hmm. a little different, right? Um, so, I don't know. Let's just say you you chalk up a loss to K State because they're going to still be pretty good, mm-hmm. and then you you chalk up a loss to Creighton because they're top ten team. You win the Oregon State game, you're at like ten ish wins. Yeah. So, like in the non-con, you're ten and two, and then you have to get to nine wins in the. In they conference. won nine in conference last year. So mm-hmm. you go, yeah, you get nine in conference, and you're in the. Basically, conference. you don't lose at home yeah. in conference, or you drop one or whatever, and you steal one or two on the road. Yeah, I mean that gets you, that gets you the NIT for sure. Yeah, eighteen. I think in this year's Big Ten because it's gonna be so good. Yeah. I think if you get 18, 19 wins, you're definitely bubbling for sure. Yeah, you're easily in the you're NIT. You're right on the conversation. And you're in the conversation. Right. Now, they're non-con. Basketball may... will dance this year. <laughs> wow, John. <laughs> now, the non-con schedule may hurt them a hurt little a, bit yeah, on, that, on that front there um, with the non-con But they'll make the up schedule. for it. I think they did During that on purpose, right. right? They need it. We needed a runway. Well, so based on last year's outcome, 16 and 16, how many more wins do they need to get to a point to where they are dancing? Like, is it five five more wins? Can they be? Yeah, can they be 21 and 11 and and be? I think if you get to 19, anywhere 19 is probably the number. Okay. Yeah, just because the non-con, the RPI is going to be pretty low. Um, Yeah, 19 ish. 19 20. Now, if they beat K State. Looks a little different. Wow. That's, yeah. If like they get either K State or Creighton, that obviously nah, bumps, bumps them a dramatically. Ton, huge. And you gotta almost bank on the fact that you can beat Oregon State, which is pseudo home game, right? Yeah, you need to be able to win that game. Um are are we I know that we like some of the pieces, some of the guys mm-hmm. they have back, some of the guys they brought in. Are we not paying enough attention to Walker and Greasel leaving? Like those are Two of your yeah, better Sam, players last Sam, year. Not only Sam just on the court, but off the court. Everything well, he brought. Vanderbilt was, yeah. what, a top five scorer on that team, right, too? Right, right. But I, Sam, the the culture, yes. the, like, community feel and the, all of that, like, he was, a huge was thing amazing last year. with yeah. that. It was huge. And Walker does – He was a pretty unique talent Yeah, at Walker that spot. was unique. Yeah. Um, his ability to just – catch it at the you know high post or top of the key and or free throw line extended and one two dribbles and get to the bucket is something like rink can't do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. right um but rink can shoot from three <laughs> like <laughs> and make it make and a D-Walk jump couldn't really yeah do that. yeah so like you can't leave him open and josiah's ability to do that a little bit as well um is something that will stretch like this should be fun i think they're gonna play pretty mm-hmm. like a lot faster or want to play faster um so I, I think that that could be something to to definitely keep an eye on it you're not gonna just gonna what i call doug gottlieb him um you know the post <laughs> when he catches it at the top of the key right remember doug gottlieb yeah, i do remember He's my, doug. one of my favorite really ever <laughs> okay no question 
That yeah. doesn't super surprise me. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a person. I grew up in there. Tulsa, so I was an Oklahoma that State fan as yeah, a kid. Yeah. Like, You're dang right. Big, big country and Byron Houston and Brian Reeves. Yeah. Corey Alexander, all those guys. Like, I grew up, you know, rooting for, cheering yeah. for all those guys. And, um, quick story time with Mike here. I did, uh, <laughs> I was the. I was a ball boy for Oral Roberts University as a kid. Nice. Okay. I feel like you've told me this before. Yeah. And I, uh, Oklahoma State was like my favorite team. And for some reason, Oklahoma State agreed to play Oral Roberts in Tulsa at the Maybe Center. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. They would never do that mm-hmm. now, right? Um, and at that night, I remember the student manager who was in charge of us. I'm in like fourth grade, yeah. right? And the student manager who was in charge of us, I like begged him to be – Oklahoma State's bench that night <laughs> and I did and I like went in the locker room and all that stuff I still have the I still have a un, like a game ticket like an actual yeah. ticket when they had paper you know paper tickets had paper tickets <laughs> way back in the day yeah, right right I still have that and I still have a newspaper cutout of Bryant Reeves Sean Sutton uh Byron Houston and Darwin Alexander who was on that team an autograph like I had them sign it for me. Nice. That's I cool. still have it, like nice. in That's a really sleeve cool. in my thing. So it's a core memory. Um, so Gottlieb, Gottlieb's one of your guys. Yeah. Okay. Even though I only I, know him as an analyst. When I say they dug Gottlieb in, Gottlieb would catch it. You know, he's a point guard, mm-hmm. and they they would stand at the free throw line. They're like daring him. Yeah, to he shoot. couldn't shoot for yeah. anything. Yeah. So that was yeah. He was like an old school point guard, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a distributor. Really could yeah. pass it and all that yeah. stuff. I just, I don't, yeah. So Nebraska, you think you think NIT is a very reasonable goal? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. NCAA like tournament's like a stretch goal, but yeah. reachable, but a little bit. Of a yeah, stretch. I think it's, I think it's reachable. It's just a matter of like, one, how good is the league actually really going to be? Because mm-hmm. um, the league's going to have to be good. To can bump you up go their strength and schedule. can you go on the road and beat a Minnesota or? Whoever, you know, something you have like to be like a Minnesota on the yeah. road, have to be like a Northwestern on the right. road, play teams that Northwestern's been pretty Northwestern's good, good, but they're not like, I mean, maybe Northwestern's a bad example. Yeah, that's a bad example. Um, but Rutgers is actually Ru- going to be pretty good. Rutgers this year, should I be think. pretty good again, but again, those are kind of the kind of teams that if you're going to be in that conversation, the Rutgers and Minnesota's you have to be able to beat at least split those series. Um, right. you mentioned if they just don't lose at home, which I mean, like they play Indiana at home, Wisconsin at Wisconsin is, you know, it's how much of a dark there. horse do you think they are to make Iowa a deep game? tournament run? Who Wisconsin? Who a deep one? Yeah, Who like I, I I look at them as a true dark horse to make a deep run in the tournament this year. A lot of depth on that team. Yeah, I know. Or like a Michigan at home this year. Like the yeah, at yeah. Ohio State or Ohio State comes to Lincoln. Mm-hmm. That's one that maybe because they had a bunch of roster turnover. Iowa, frankly, like they're just always competitive. Could, yeah, that'll be. But like something. at Iowa would be a good win if they yeah. could go to Iowa uh-huh. and get a win. There's not a ton of road games that I look at and like no. ah, that's winnable. Yeah, at Rutgers, tough, right? But the one, yeah, because that's one of like the toughest. At Maryland, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so those are the ones. And by that time, they might have just been all out on their packed team it or in on yeah. the season. At no, that I'm point. saying they're fans or something. <laughs> um. Yeah, the, so it, it's tough. Like it's you know, the handful of road games in. You have Rutgers twice. Yeah. One there. One one on one in Lincoln. Uh, Purdue is home game. They should have beat them last year. Yeah, I don't know that you can expect that. Well, they should have beat them last year. I understand that, but they're <laughs> Purdue's a lot better <laughs> than Nebraska. And Michigan State comes to Lincoln. <laughs> Michigan State for a also Sunday five thirty game. 
Imagine if that was on Saturday at 5.30. Be a That'd be a nice one. Be a little different. A little, little bit different. A <laughs> little bit different. I don't know. The outcome seems probably be the same. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so any other, any other thoughts on Nebraska ball before we let you go? Yeah. I, you know, I'm uh, – I'm pretty optimistic that they're going to be all right if they can figure out the health stuff. Yeah, if they can get any sort of healthy. Man, yeah. They're going to shoot it better. That's think, the idea. For sure. Yeah. Um, they're stre- like I said, the bigs can stretch it a little bit more. Which helps. Um, intrigued by, you know, Jamarcus Lawrence, consistency is something that's going to be super key for them. Mm-hmm. If he can play hard all the time. If he plays like he did against Doan in the second half, that'll be huge for them. Like mm-hmm. all the time. That would be huge for them because, um, you know, point guard is, feels like it's going to be sort of by committee. Yeah. It's not a traditional – they're not going to play like a traditional this one guy brings the ball up, right? Yeah, like, you don't that have just like the guy. Yeah, that yeah. just isn't going to happen. Um, but I think I think it should be fun. Like, I think they should be all right. I, I think the – you know, NIT is a very real possibility for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a little bit – if you can – win a couple games there you you jump up do you have any concern and and we'll let you go on this one do you have any concern about the non-traditional point guard situation in years past when Hoiberg has tried that and I get it was with different guys that were not as good of fits necessarily but that's been an issue in the past when they didn't have a traditional point guard last year they kind of jumped up when they had Greasel to kind of steer the ship yeah he's well yeah um did that his whole life how how concerned are you about a lack of a traditional point guard here? Not really. Okay. I don't think so. Um, I'm more concerned, like, who's going to play the wing? Because there's, like, a ton of dudes. Like, yeah. The minutes are going to be tough for that. So, um, you know, you have Wilcher. Sam Hoiberg's going to probably play. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, tough, you know, tough kid. So, Jerron Coleman is not boogie, like, he's not a point guard, right? <laughs> like, they tried to make that happen. Right. You know, the Aaron Uless thing – he probably – I'm just going to go ahead and guess he's never going to probably see the floor. Um, I think game. that's fair. Yeah. Still practicing and everything, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw that one out that I think that's probably not happening. And that was the guy that mm-hmm. they wanted to – To be the point guard. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Bryce Williams is – they have a lot of size. It's just who – They've got some pretty good size on the wing. They've got a lot of – Right, that's what I mean. There's six, a lot seven, of six, 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 seven, six, eight guys on the wing. Yeah. It's just yeah. the point guard spot's a little – Yeah. A little dicey. Yeah, a little, little dicey. KSA obviously is not a point guard. No, not yeah. uh, not in the traditional Boy, sense. Boy, you, <laughs> you can run him off some screens, though. Yes, you yes, can. You can. <laughs> yes, you, and he will fire away. You can. Him running baseline, him just running the baseline, getting four screens, I think, is going to be something. That's the offense right there. Yeah. The whole, <laughs> just get to the corner. <laughs> just everybody runs around right. uh, waiting for KSA to, to get off a screen there. Uh, okay. Sodder, we appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Mike. Go Have take, a great day. Go take Leighton wherever she, she needs to go. Gonna, well, she's got to go to work with me first. A oh, well, that seems fun. Yeah. Uh, you excited? Thumb up or thumb down? Thumb I'm down. down. Not. I, you have snacks. You have your computer. You have. You'll be fine. I mean, it's, it's better. Than <laughs> you still don't have to be excited. It's better than school, Leighton. What are we doing here? Come on. She likes school. Oh, <laughs> so She's this isn't better than school. Yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. Uh, Sada, okay. we appreciate you see coming ya. in on short notice. We'll see you on Friday. See ya. All see you, right. Mike. Uh, I do want to stick on Nebraska. Just do predictions on our mm-hmm. side real quick, and then let's do college basketball as a whole because I don't know if people remember. College basketball kicks off tonight. Day. Creighton. Day. 
Open, it is opening day. We both uh, love college basketball. Creighton kicks off tomorrow, so we'll do our Creighton preview stuff tomorrow. But um, I'm kind of there with Mike. I've got just kind of, you know, it's it's sort of a tricky endeavor, but kind of ballpark in the schedule. I think I had him around like 18 wins, um, which seemed about right to me. Conference play is going to be tough. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of road games in conference that I think they can steal. Um, and there's certain teams that probably beat you at home just because of their quality. Um, so I landed on about 18. I think I, I got to about 9 or 10 out of conference and 8 or 9 in conference. Um, how are you? Which, to me, that, so, that puts you squarely in the NIT. Right, yeah. right. And um, I kind of based uh, my knowledge off of people that know a lot more than me, like Mike Sauter, who's walking <laughs> out, and John Fanta, who we talked to last week. If John Fanta, though, thinks uh, Nebraska ball is, is, is going dancing. marching this year. Nebraska um, ball will dance this year. I am going to make my prediction based off how they get there. Okay. And in order to get there, I had them at 20 wins. 20 wins? I had them at okay. 20 and 12. All right. Uh, I think they play 32 games. <laughs> it's 31 or 32. It's, I kept, it's somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, I, honestly, the, I, get, I lose track of count. But I have, them at, I have them at 20, 20 wins, wins for that reason. Okay. And I know, as, as you said, you were going through the schedule, and you're like, ah, like, I don't really see them stealing one here. Well, if they want to get to a point to where they are – yeah, they're going to have to steal In the NCAA some. tournament, you have to steal at least yeah. two. And I don't know what two they are just yet, but I think Nebraska ball – I almost said Nebraska ball. Nebraska basketball has uh, enough working for them mm-hmm. that after non-con play, they'll be able to figure out how they want to run this season. Yeah, what's, uh, as, as Mike mentioned, how, how healthy they can be is going to be a huge key here because – I really feel like if they can get healthy in the non-con and because they, they should be able to win a bunch of those games without being fully healthy. But if they can get healthy by um, kind of the last few games of the non-con, have a little warm up before conference mm-hmm. season, I think that gives them a much better opportunity. I just don't know what that looks like in terms of how healthy they're going to get. Uh, that's the key for me. But we're in the same neighborhood, 18 to 20 wins. I think you're in the solid NIT to bubble NCAA conversation at that point. And that's a, I mean, that's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, if you could be an 11 seed, you come in and you play one of the first four games even, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, right. absolutely. Why not? I mean, shoot, if you're not an 11 and you're a 13, who cares? You're there. Yeah, I mean, they could, I could very easily see him as, like, one of the 12s in a play-in or something like that. Like, there's not a huge gap between those teams and the teams in the NIT. So, um, if the if the conference is as good as we think it's going to be, mm-hmm. then they could very easily sneak into one of those spots as a kind of a play-in 12, just based on the strength of the conference. It's really just a matter of how well these transfers gel yeah. in with the roster from last year. And I am worried about the point guard spot because – Historically, and it's okay to be because yeah. Sam Griesel ran that team he last did. year, and that's the best they've looked is when they've had a true point guard. The years before that, they kind of tried to do a non-traditional point guard situation, and it—I mean, I'm thinking of like Teddy Allen, I'm thinking of uh, Trey McGowan's, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of uh, Alonzo Verge. Like those guys really struggled as primary ball handlers to get the rest of the team going, and you saw how dramatically different it was with Sam last year. So. I'm worried about it start like reverting back to how it looked with some of those guys, and I get the pieces are different, but that's my biggest concern for this team is the lack of a true point guard. They were really counting on Ulysses to be that guy without him in all likelihood. That, to me, is my biggest concern for this team. We'll just see. We'll see how it all lays out. I can't wait to actually be there tonight. Say, we'll to see, see starting tonight. And, and, well, and you know what? 
it's not going to be what we see, you know, no. a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. But it, it's at least going to give me a good opportunity to see some of these, some of these transfers in action, some of the young guys go because if those, if those guys are up to speed, yeah. I know what Tominaga offers, mm-hmm. right? And I know what um, if we're going to limit minutes on like Wiltshire or somebody like that. Yeah. Like I know what we're going to get out of those players just based off their performance last year, or at least the expect you have an expectation idea. You have of that. Idea. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm just really curious to see if if this transfer class, which I think is solid, I do. I, th- I think Fred Hoiberg did a great job in bringing in the right guys, the right pieces to fill this team. I'm I'm just curious to see if they are up to speed with what want what the want is at Nebraska this year, what they want to yeah. get accomplished. Are they going to be running solely through a certain player like they did last year? And if not, who? how are they going to spread the ball around? Because without a guy like D-Walk, and I know I'm bringing him up again, but he was, no, he was, he so was your Im- X factor. He was so important to that team. That's, that's, why I asked, that's why I asked Mike that question, because it seems like we're expecting them to take a step forward despite losing their two best players from last year. Uh, in my opinion, Tomanaga's in that neighborhood. Two other three best players, mm-hmm. though. Gr- Griesel and, and Walker were the probably the two most important players on that team Well, you talk year. a lot about consistency when you say those three names. How consistent can Casey be this year? We know he can get hot and stay hot. And he's going to be the focal point. But how consistent can you be when you had a guy that took a lot of attention last year and Derek Walker, and then to add to that, Sam Griesel? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the top of the scouting report for everybody this year. That's going to be interesting to see how he handles it. Uh, we'll get to our college basketball predictions as a whole tomorrow uh, when we preview Creighton as well. We've got Jacob Padilla coming up next. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Welcome back as we continue here in our hour number three on Hurt at Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. We are joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by our friend Jacob Padilla. Yeah, we are. Our very own uh, Herd at Sports teammate. Jacob, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. What's up, guys? You What's up, JP? had quite the busy uh, week and weekend last week covering. He didn't write a lot. High school volleyball. Um, Man, yeah. Did you did I read that right? You had you had in you had a write up on every single match that was played at the state championships. Is that right? Uh, yeah, for the most part, the the third uh, the third place matches, I just put the score. Um, but other than that, yeah, that is it's wild. That's incredible. Uh, so let's get into uh, some of the big takeaways. Obviously, Scott wins their ninth consecutive state title which is just doesn't even sound right to say out loud. I mean, that, does, that doesn't even really make sense. But obviously they have been dominant. They were the three seed this year, um, and they came through and, and beat Norris. Uh, just your impressions of that Class B run for Scott? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, was, it was really impressive the way they played in that, that championship match. Scott, they lost 13 times this year. Um, but all the losses were to Class A teams or teams out of state. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I only saw them in person the, the first weekend at the, the, 
Bellevue West tournament because of the way the schedule was set up with so many out, out of state matches and all that. So I, I didn't know kind of what to expect from them. I, I, um, I didn't think they didn't play great that first weekend. Um, and, uh, but I mean, that, that, that championship match just controlled throughout. Um, they, they, they put, uh, they, they saved their best volleyball for, for the most important match of the season. And I mean, won that thing running away. So it, it just, it's impressive what um, Coach Saunders has done there, where um, new, new players step in and um, they, they they just keep rolling along there. Like she said, it's nine in a row, but each one is different. Uh, different um, d- different players on each, um, different roles, and uh, they find a way to keep it rolling. So, um, Scott, yeah, n- nine straight, and um, I mean. That that's I don't know what you can say about that um, besides just wow, Jacob. Uh, you know I don't know how much D two volleyball you were able to catch this year, but uh, for the first time in program history, Overton is a state volleyball champion. How impressed were you with that group? Yeah, um, and especially the the way uh, that that the third set went, um, going to extra points, finding a way to to, to get it done. Um, they, they, I mean, Jolie Ryan, for them, um, had a phenomenal season. Um, stepped up big in, in the championship match. Really good player. Um, and so to uh, to get that done, not, not only to win it, but to win it in three against the number one seed. Um, pretty impressive showing uh, for Overton there. Uh, Jake, I want to jump over to Class A, where Lincoln Southwest wins the title without dropping a set in the tournament. But maybe the bigger story, at least early on in the Class A tournament, was Papillion La Vista knocking off rival Papio South in that first round uh, in a one-versus-eight matchup. I guess how surprised were you to see Papio South bounced like that? And then uh, how impressed were you with Lincoln Southwest run through the tournament? Yeah, quite a bit for the the upset there. Um, Papillion Vista is the only team that had beat Papio South this year, mm-hmm. but um, Charlie Solomon, who is one of their best players, a um, kind of hybrid setter uh, hitter there for them, she didn't play in that match, and so it's a little bit different. They were at full strength um, for for the state uh, for the for the quarterfinals there, and not only did Papillion Vista go win that, they won it in four. Like it didn't even. Um, I mean, they played an incredible match there. Just uh, Faith Frame, uh, their libero, um, she's headed to Cincinnati. She was unbelievable. I mean, literally left it all out there. I mean, on the the match point, she cr- uh, she cramped up midpoint. Um, so if, I don't know what would have happened if they uh, Mia Tiberti hadn't terminated on that point because. <laughs> Um, she was down on the ground. If the ball had uh, if the ball had come back over the net, they would have been in trouble. So, um, yeah, that that was a really impressive showing by Pilman Vista. And they, I mean, they've got um, uh, frame I mentioned. Mia Tiberti is going to Oregon. Um, so two high major players plus uh, th- some small um, some small school commits as well. Um, that, that that was probably more talented than the normal eight seed uh, that you would find in a tournament like this. Um, they just got off to a slow start this season. Um, so they, they put it together at the right time, um, but weren't able to um, sustain it throughout the entire uh, tournament because, man, Lincoln Southwest 
really impressive show, and it's kind of the same thing as got like um, uh, Papio didn't didn't get past 17 in a championship match. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they went on a 12-2 run, I think it was, uh, in the first set. Then they went 11 straight to close out the match after Papio had taken a lead uh, in the fourth. Um, just really impressive team. It's a senior senior led group. Um, their setter, uh, Malaya Long, is going to Marquette, and I haven't seen them play much this year just because the way the schedules worked out and everything. I was really impressed with her. You could see just watching a handful of uh, points, like okay, yeah, um, you can can see why she's going to a really good program like Marquette. Just the way she impacted the the game in so many areas. Um, and then Emerson Lineberger had a really good tournament as well. Um, outside hitter there, she's going to Air Force, um, led them in, in, in the championship match and had a couple other good showings as well. So um, they've got Maddie Rink is going to Northern Colorado. So it's 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 a senior-led group. It's a talented team, and they just played really good volleyball, played really well together defensively. Um, that, that was kind of the key to that match. They completely shut down Papio's best hitters. Um, and just um, control that match uh, throughout there. O thirty four hitting, uh, Papio is out in, mm. in the championship match. So that, that that that'll get it done for you, <laughs> Jacob. I want to take advantage of uh, more what more of what you offer, um, not just on the volleyball scene, but it, basketball especially. Uh, a big commitment for Nebraska women's basketball yesterday in Britt Prince. Um, and I'm curious, what do you think Nebraska's ceiling is with a player like her on their roster for the next four years? Um, I mean, got got to continue to to fill out the pieces around her, but um, she she is absolutely a um, a ceiling raiser. Um, she's as complete a player as I've ever seen um, at, at the high school level. Just the I mean, I don't really. Know. She's pretty much good at everything. <laughs> uh, can handle it. Can shoot. Can pass. Um, is a playmaker on defense. Can can go up and rebound as a guard. Um, really crafty finisher. Like some of the stuff that she does, you just typically don't see uh, at, in girls basketball at the high school level. So um, yeah, she just she, um, she is a massive get for uh, Nebraska there. And if they can continue, to, I mean, she's I know she slipped in the rankings. Um, she was injured, wasn't able to play this past summer, so it dropped from 10 to 28 on ESPN's rankings. But I think the the first ranking was probably more accurate. Um, so, like, kind of my view, she's the the highest ranked recruit they've landed since Jess Shepard. And obviously, um, that was at the tail end of County Ori's time there, and things kind of went a little sideways there with Shepard. Um, so they weren't able to really turn that into um, major success. But um, I, I think Nebraska will have a much better chance to uh, do something special once Pritt, uh, Prince gets to town there. And they've got some pretty good commits already on the way as well, some other guards. So um, I, I think they've got a chance. I mean, their young bigs um, showed some, some potential and um, uh, Natalie Potts in particular in their exhibition game. So. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about for the future um, in Nebraska women's basketball. 
That's Jacob Padilla, our teammate here at Hale or Heard at Sports <laughs> Radio. Uh, he he uh, used to obviously uh, cover for Hale Varsity and became part of our team, Heard at Sports, uh, here. Uh, Jacob, when do you switch your attention from volleyball to, I know you're covering quite a bit of basketball this year, too. When, when does that switch happen for you? Uh, well, it's already kind of happened uh, <laughs> right tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm doing everything at once. That's kind of uh, how I do it. So I, I'm always, you know, I'm always thinking about basketball. So, uh, <laughs> I can multitask. Always thinking about basketball. That's why we love you, Jacob. Uh, Jacob Padilla, Heard at Sports. Make sure you check out all of his work uh, as well. Jacob, we appreciate you as always. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jacob. That's Jacob Padilla, our teammate at Heard at Sports. Coming up next, we are going to talk to Nate Davis from USA Today about the NFL and what happened this weekend here on Heard at Sports Radio. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Tua out to Hill, and that goes nowhere. Ball's loose. It is loose and picked up and rattled. Brian Cook. Touchdown. Kansas City. Wrapping up the show here on Herd at Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me. We are joined now by Nate Davis. He covers the NFL for USA Today. Nate, how are you this morning? Good, how are you? We are doing well. Uh, let's jump right into it with the NFL from the weekend. Uh, more impressed by the Eagles win over the Cowboys or the Chiefs win over the Dolphins? Um, I guess I guess equally um, impressed. I mean, I, I kind of expected uh, both of those outcomes. Um, I know, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you. I, I, I guess I guess the Chiefs, given that you know the game, you know, was a home game for them that, that they surrendered. Uh, to play in Germany, uh, and those guys got the Chiefs. That is, were on the ground um, Friday, whereas the Dolphins spent m- most of the week over there. So the Chiefs had a little bit more acclimating to do, um, and they didn't do much offensively. But I mean, also defensively, they, they shut down that, that number one offense for uh, a good a good chunk of the game. I think it was the first time in forty games the Dolphins hadn't scored you know at all before halftime. Uh, so you know, even though the Chiefs. Still not kind of the explosive Chiefs we're used to. They sure are playing well um, defensively, and, and you know there's no there's no probably bigger test than that Miami offense. So let's uh, let's let's give it to them. <laughs> Emergency alert! C.J. Stroud yeah. in the building. Uh, let's talk about C.J. for a moment here, Nate, because if you would have asked me coming out of the NFL draft that he would be putting up the numbers that he is, I probably would have laughed at you just knowing that it's a Houston Texans team, and I I would have probably leaned more Bryce Young in that moment than I would C.J. Stroud. Are you How impressed are you with uh, what he's shown so far this season, and is he the guy that you kind of had the highest expectation for coming out of the draft? Uh, I, I don't know that I had any you know huge expectation for any one of these guys over the other, but I, I kind of agree with you that I, I kind of would have assumed that Bryce Young would have had the uh, the better supporting cast. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that goes to the fact that how, much, how many you know 
injuries that the Texans kind of had from day one on the offensive line. But, you know, Bryce Young is the one that, that really has not been protected uh, well at all this season. Uh, and, and really, you know, so many no-names kind of in that receiving core that, you know, Bryce Young is, is, is uh, putting all his numbers up with. I mean, yesterday I think was the first time in Texans franchise history that they had three 100-yard receivers uh, in, in the same game. Um, and, and, you know, add to that the fact that, you know, the Buccaneers knew that they weren't going to be able to kick because Fairbairn was hurt. Um, Damian Pierce didn't play yesterday. They really had no running game either. So the, the Bucks knew the ball was going to be in the air, um, but they, they still couldn't stop it. So really, really I mean, he, he's been impressive all season, but, um, you know, cer- certainly yesterday obviously was, was the high point so far, and uh, you've got to give him all the credit in the world for, for doing it, um, including the fact that, that he's still there, there's still a lot of room uh, to, to improve the, the players around him. Nate, I'm curious about the Texans because obviously C.J. Stroud gets a lot of the credit, and rightfully so, but that was largely viewed as a dysfunctional organization prior to this year, and maybe still this year, but how much credit does D'Amico Ryans as a first-year head coach deserve for all of a sudden making that team at the very least look competent? Yeah, I think I think he's, he's on the very short list for, for Coach of the Year honors, and we'll, we'll kind of see if the Texans are able to kind of crack into that, that playoff field but before this is all said and done. But, you know, we, we knew D'Amico Ryans was an excellent defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, we, we obviously saw the Bucks have a big day offensively against them yesterday, but they, they've made a lot of strides on defense. And, and, you know, again, again, they still have a lot of, of work to do to upgrade on that side of the ball. Um, you know, obviously, Will Anderson is going to be the centerpiece there. But, I mean, I, I think the real thing, particularly, you know, when, when you hear from 49ers players is just how much – they, they they respect D'Amico Ryan's and I, I think I think the thing that gets lost when we talk about offensive coaches and you know how important it is to get a good play caller in there sometimes when you make a coaching change you know yada yada is just the value of, of leadership uh, and how important that setting that tone and <clears throat> excuse me galvanizing guys and setting a direction is particularly for a club like like the Texans and D'Amico Ryan's plays there so obviously he had a good also a good feel for kind of what that organization was. Uh, and where it needed to go, and now we're seeing the results. Nate, whether it's a team that is, you know, atop their division or at the bottom of their division, give me one team now that we're halfway through the season that has, you know, exceeded your expectations on who who, who they were coming into the season, and one team that just hasn't lived up to the expectation or at least the bar that was set for them um, because of how they finished last year. Well, I think the Colts are a team I feel like have mm. really exceeded what I expected. I mean, they're, they're you know, I'm not sure they're going to be a playoff team, but uh, they've been extremely competitive both with Anthony Richardson uh, and, and Gardner Minshew. So, I mean, also, give, you know, Shane Sykin is probably more of that guy, not not as experienced, certainly from a head coaching perspective, but but great great play caller. You know, we've seen a little bit of, of <clears throat> the Eagles regressing offensively to a, to a point without him and the Colts really taking a big step forward uh, after all the years of uh, musical chairs, you know, quarterbacks over there. So I think, I think maybe I'd look at them as, as one that's, uh, that's uh, overachieved quite a bit um, in terms of the underachieving. I mean, I, I guess you look at Buffalo to some degree. I mean, they've had some big wins. They've had some, some concerning losses. Um, I think they still have time to, to, to get right. Losing to the Bengals certainly is not – uh, an embarrassment, um, <clears throat> and I always kind of come back to the Chargers. But I mean, I kind of expect them to at this point. But I don't. I don't think there's any team that has, you, you know, where the soul or the, excuse me, the whole 
there's a bigger delta between what Cole should add up to, given all, all the players they have on that roster. Um, but, but just how, how good they are individually in so many spots, they, they just can't win games. So uh, they, they kind of perennially, uh, to me, are a team that disappoints the most, I guess. Uh, Nate, as I look at this Cincinnati Bengals team, they got a big win against Buffalo yesterday. They started the season off losing three of their first four. Now they've won four in a row. Is it just as simple as Joe Burrow got healthy and looks like himself again, or is there something else going on with that turnaround from that rough start for Cincinnati? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, and you kind of saw that last week at San Francisco, and not only is he moving around the pocket better, but, I mean, he's also comfortable leaving the pocket uh, and picking up first downs <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, with, with his legs. So I mean, that's part of it. I mean, that, I think they're also a team that they've kind of, for whatever reason, tended to start slow. I mean, they started 0-2 uh, a year ago. Uh, I think they're the only team since the playoffs expanded 14 teams that started 0-2 and, and made it to the playoffs. And now, that, now they're trying to overcome that hurdle uh, two years in a row. Uh, and I think another guy you got to look at um, in conjunction with Burrow, you know, T. Higgins had a, a big game last night. I think mm-hmm. it was eight catches and 110 yards. But you know, he, he missed a game earlier this year with, with, with a rib injury. Uh, clearly wasn't quite himself when, when he came back. Um, but he, he, he looks like he's getting back to, to the level of kind of being a 1A receiver to chase. Um, and, and definitely a guy that wants to have a big year because you see going into free agency. So I, I think definitely that they're a team that, that things are starting to kind of fall into place for them uh, and, and we're seeing the results. Nate, seemed like the perfect time for the bye week to uh, hit San Francisco after losing three in a row. Um, you know, they got off to such a quick start, such, such a booming start, but then it's kind of trickled off some – uh, problems being attributed to uh, Brock Purdy, some and other facets uh, of that team and of the uh, of the way that they play. Uh, do you see the 49ers as somebody that uh, is going to feel rejuvenated after a bye week uh, coming off of three losses? I mean, for me, the 49ers dominated the bye week. I mean, you know, Trent, Trent Williams should be feeling better. Debo Samuel should be feeling better. Uh, Chase Young is, is joining, you know, their, mm-hmm. their defense. Line, uh, and then the Seahawks get blown out uh, and, and drop back into a first-place side with the 49ers. So uh, I'm not sure their week off <clears throat> could have gone a whole lot better. And kind of hit it. I mean, tr- I mean, Brock Purdy has done a great job kind of navigating uh, what he's supposed to do uh, within the framework of, of that offense and, and even outside of it. But when you don't have Trent Williams blocking for you, when you don't have Debo Samuel, uh, you know, it's, it's such a big part of that offense kind of uh, available Um and not for nothing, too. I mean, they should have won the game in Cleveland if they're if they're a rookie kicker could hit a forty one yard field goal there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I, I I I don't know if I'm end up regretting this, but I'm pretty much kind of writing off uh, most of this three game losing streak as 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 a, as a bad a, a bad spot in the season. Some some bad breaks, some bad luck, uh, and certainly some injuries. Uh, and I think that they'll they'll probably come back very strong. Nate, uh, Andrew, and I have both been wondering about the move that the Bears made to. <laughs> to trade for Montez Sweat. Obviously, they... I'm the only one losing sleepover. Yeah, they obviously signed him to an extension as well. Just for a team that obviously has a lot of issues and is struggling in a lot of places, I guess how much how much does that move make sense in terms of how... Like, how much does it actually move the needle in terms of actual wins? Well, I mean, you know, obviously did not move the needle uh, very much um, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that, that he's a player that, that's going to um, be one you can build a defense around. I mean, obviously he was part of a, of a very 
deep uh, uh, defensive line uh, there in Washington. Um, I, I mean, I think he's a, he's a good kind of cornerstone guy to have, but I'm not sure he's necessarily the guy that other teams are going to game plan around. And, and, you know, it takes you back to the Chase Claypool deal where, you know, you're not just giving up a second-round pick. You're, you're giving up probably a, a top-40 pick here. Mm-hmm. Um, could you have just gone, gone out and, and, and thrown some money at Montez Sweat in the offseason and got him anyway? Uh, as opposed to bringing him into a, a two and sixteen uh, when they got him, um, and, and you know, also could have maybe gone after Chase Young at that point or Josh Allen or Daniel Hunter or whatever. But um, they they went through this route of Montez Sweat. I mean, obviously it was important for them to get him into the into the building. Um, we'll we'll see what kind of impact it ultimately has. I mean, the Bears have had what I think thirty sacks total now since the start of twenty twenty two, and are going to be last in the league for the second straight year. So I get I get the need. Uh, I just kind of question if this was the time to do it, particularly given uh, what you're probably going to what you're you know, probably giving up uh, in order to get them. And, and particularly too, when, when you, you could have gotten Chase Young for the third rounder, why not do it that way? <laughs> Nate Davis, USA Today. We appreciate your time, Nate. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks. Hey, thanks, Nate. Hey, quickly, are you shaving off your eyebrows if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan? No, I'm, I'm good. You're not Josh Dobbins oh, listen, may- all the way to the end now? May- maybe Josh Dobbs is actually good. Who knows? <laughs> uh, that's all for today. We'll be back tomorrow with more Herd Sports Radio.